Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. everyone to the spotlight shout out to big dick mlj for the intro as always and shout out to gisberto for the thumbnail i thought this one would uh pop you this week steven jensen with uh you know your best friend cody rhodes and your sworn enemy cm punk both being labeled as as saviors right there i thought yes that that was a good one yeah great great thumbnail uh gisberto as always and as always yes thank you to big dick mlj for the intro very much appreciate that and welcome uh, everyone to the show this week. Coming off the heels of uh, probably our most successful show ever. I think that's uh, this is only the second time we've had 10,000 views on an episode, I think. Um, I'm get caught up in numbers here, Jensen. Well, I, 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 I keep up when it's Cody Rhodes related like that. I knew yesterday, I knew last week was going to be a good episode. But um, but yeah, thank you everyone who watched last week. Uh, last time I checked, we were at like 10.2 or 10.3 um k people watch it so we really appreciate that and um yeah we'll probably have more stuff to rant about today i know that there's there's plenty of wrestling news and i know there's gonna be plenty of uh thoughts on cody's current spot on the show cm punk and all that stuff that we're gonna talk about and a lot of other great stuff so anyway thanks for joining us y'all and uh yeah how you doing jeremy 
doing well, doing well. Thank you everyone for joining us in the chat, for watching the, the live stream, for watching the replay. Uh, later on at about 11 a.m. Eastern, we got our interview with Tom Talks Rubbish. Tom is a great man who uh, does a lot of interviews there's a lot of interviews with wrestling media personalities talks about talks about that talks about uh how he got started with that during the pandemic and everything talks about finding finding love of boxing just his love of wrestling overall so really good interview with tom talks rubbish that we're going to air a little bit later on jensen let's waste no time let's get to to your favorite topic and it's actually your favorite topic i'm not gonna uh not gonna swerve you and talk about cm punk we're gonna get to your favorite topic i need to finish the story in the WWE, the story never finishes. Mm, we got bumper. a new bumper. New bumper. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like I it. Very, like very, very topical. <laughs> I put that together this morning. I thought, you know what? That, that Vince bumper, it's a little outdated. We've, we've used that for about a year now. Vince is a, a you know, he, he is what he is. So we need a new bumper. So I thought that was good. Yeah, no, it's great. That's great. I like that. We'll use that one going forward. Or at least, I mean, especially especially when it's Cody Rhodes related. We might even need a Cody Rhodes bumper, like a WWE one with Vince, and then one when, just when we talk about Cody that's that about you know, how the, the story never finishes. Cody Rhodes alert. The story never finishes. Um, but yeah, I got a lot of support over the week, by the way. There was like a lot of people that reached out. I know I told you privately about some of them, but there was like a lot of people and some, some people you'd be really surprised about that actually reached out over the last week. To, like thank me for like this stuff we were saying on the show. It sounds like a lot of people agreed with, you know, the situation Cody's in right now is not ideal. Um, we're gonna discuss this, but anyway, Jeremy, if you want to like kind of, what are your thoughts and what do you how, how do you want to like lead into this or, or talk about because uh, the the topic is essentially Cody's promo on Monday, which I thought was really yes. Good. Well, first we got a super chat uh, from Aaronode, and I rude sorry and and I rude. Uh, apologies if I if I screw that up. Uh, going to need an extended break from wrestling after Cody does the job for Lesnar, killing his status as a main eventer. I don't think Cody is going to do the job for Lesnar. I'd be a little surprised, but maybe I'm wrong. But Cody comes out on on Monday and he basically says, "I'm a giant loser." Uh, you know, Brock got the better of me, and that was it. I, that was what I took away from the promo. Jensen, Cody's a big old <laughs> dork. What did you think of this promo? <laughs> Well, I thought the actual promo was really good, you know, by the end of it. But there are parts of it that don't that do bother me, like what you just said. So it's strange to me that <clears throat> that um Cody is talking so much about just Roman being the better man. Because that wasn't the case. And they even yeah. said that. Um sorry, I just gotta clear my throat real quick here. Well, Cody, there Cody, we the other part, the other part not only of you know, I'm a giant dork and, and Brock Lesnar beat me up when he was like, I wasn't prepared for the lengths that Roman would go to. This man preaches, right. do the work. And then he couldn't watch the spark notes of the three hour bloodline compilation of how Roman has gone to these lengths to keep the title. I mean, okay, yeah. fine. You don't want to watch the product every week. One, don't preach, do the work. If you're not going to put it in the tape study, but they put out there the three hour video of, of what you need right there i feel like cody yeah. rhodes has been lying to us and he's hoodwinked us here well when it's also just confusing because he's obviously very aware of the whole bloodline story because he's helped sammy and ko you know yes. solve friendship and then like 
you know, get their titles and have their moment. They finish their their part of the story at WrestleMania. So that's that's it's weird because so the first promo after the uh, the Raw after WrestleMania, Cody came out and he basically said, "I had you." The difference between me and you is like I had you dead to rights and and I want a rematch. And it was like very clear. But now because Brock's attacked him and that's where they're headed and because Roman I guess Roman's not going to be a backlash and it's going to be Cody and Brock will be the main event. So because of these scenarios, which once again was all the more reason to put the title on Cody. This this should have just been for the title Brock versus Brock versus Cody. But it's one of those things now where they <clears throat> excuse me, they can't like they're they're got Cody in this no man's land now, kind of, because he has to focus on Brock, and that's the feud. And it's very important that he wins that feud, but it's not a guarantee. Like I thought WrestleMania was a guarantee. Like now I'm now I'm I'm not, you know, discounting any scenario now. For all I know, Brock comes out there and he does a, a John Cena SummerSlam style match and just throws him you know, 16 suplexes or whatever and pins him after an F5. But that that's what um that's kind of what the fear is because that's the thing is yeah to kind of bring this all around that first the the promo from the raw from uh wrestlemania was very heavy on i was the better guy i had you and i want a rematch and now it's like you were the better man i wasn't prepared enough it's on me now there's something admirable to that mind about that mindset and i understand like there's a lot of people out there, and I think Cody's this kind of person too, that in his like real life, I don't think he makes a lot of excuses for stuff. So it's just one of those things where like anything bad happens, it's probably just like, you know, that's on me. I can be better. I can prevent that from happening again. But in this story, it's just kind of strange because like he he was the better man and everyone knows he was the better man. And even he knew he was the better man, the Raptor mania. And now he just has to be sidetracked it's 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 kind of like they just need a reason to to kind of distance him from Roman in the title right now and have him focus on Brock. But they're, I I but I will say this: I really love the idea of Brock versus Cody. I think it's gonna be a really good match. It's something we've never seen before. I remember back in high school wrestling, like because Brock was already on the show back then. I went to high school from 2002 to 2006, so Brock was on the show then. And I remember in like our wrestling room, Cody and us, we'd be talking about watching Brock on you know, on Raw and SmackDown and stuff back then. So it's really cool knowing, like, he's going to be wrestling him, like, 20 years later in, like, a main event of a pay-per-view. Like, I, I'm really, really excited for that. But um, but it's 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 crucial that he wins this match. I mean, obviously. So, yeah. I don't know. That's kind of how I feel about all of it. I like the matchup. It should be for the title. And I am worried because it is still Brock Lesnar. Like, and there's always a chance. that With the new ownership especially, they could just look at stuff and be like, we know Roman works. We know Brock's worked forever. We still don't know enough about Cody. And they might just go with you. You know what I mean? We don't know. We don't know who like who they're really trusting right now with all this. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, wrestling Brock Lesnar for for Cody is is cool until Brock's like, yeah, uh, that that crossroads stuff, that that Cody Cutter stuff don't work for me, brother. I'm gonna Hold catch that, okay. turn that into an F five. So there, there's been a question we've been asking people in interviews lately about Cody Rhodes and his street fighting skills, right? Okay. Yes. Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar in a UFC fight. Okay. All I'm saying, all I'm saying. What? No. 
All I'm saying no. is Brock Lesnar no. lost to Alistair Overeem and Cain nope. Velasquez. Cody is undefeated in the UFC. That's all I'm saying. Okay, continue. <laughs> Dude, Brock would punch that man in the face so Cody hard. Cody is undefeated in the UFC. Not go saying. well. CM Punk, 0-2. Cody, <laughs> undefeated. Would not go Just well. <laughs> No, I'm not, I'm not delusional. I don't, I'm, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to even get Cody in a position like that. Yeah. I, you're going to get no. Cody killed up there. <laughs> no, there's no one that has a chance against Brock in that company in a real fight. Even Lashley would get destroyed by him in an actual fight. And Lashley's the second most badass guy, like legitimately in that company. So yeah. Chad no, Gable would beat Brock Lesnar in a shoot fight. Yo, Chad Gable's a badass though. Absolutely. Absolutely a badass. Anyways, I was just kidding about the Cody thing. I, I just wanted to bring that up because I know people have seen me ask. We, we've been asking about the Cody and Kingston stuff. Um, and we got a, finally got a good answer about the street fight recently. No, we I, didn't. No. Really. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah. This is going to get so off topic. Sorry about that. But, yeah, anyway. Go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. Uh, Cody Cody should win. He, he should beat Brock Lesnar. Is he going to? Like you, I kind of have my doubts after WrestleMania because WrestleMania seemed like a sure thing. And it's like, no. Nah, I can do that. Maybe he's got to overcome more adversity. That's what I'm worried about is like, how, how beat down do they think he needs to be for us to think it's adversity, even though we all thought it was adversity before he even came back. Like that's, but that, that's where I'm at with, I'm exactly where you are is like, do they, like, do they feel like the loss to Roman is enough adversity for him to come back from? And now he has to rebuild by beating Brock and others. Or does he have to get beat by Brock also? And he's going to hit like a, like an even more of a rock bottom before they try to rebuild him, which I think is a terrible idea. It, it would not be good if he loses to Brock as well. Because I, I equated it to the Cena story last week of Cena loses to Rock at WrestleMania. He's like, oh, this is his down point. Brock attacks him. Same way Brock attacked Cody Raw after WrestleMania. And then Cena went on to beat Brock at, at the next show, which people were surprised by because it's like, wait a second, if Cena's hitting rock bottom why is he just beating the returning brock lesnar here what are, what are we doing and so it, it's similar here of okay if cody's hit rock bottom why is he beating brock lesnar but then should brock beat cody to beat cody down further i i said it last week as well as like i don't know how good cody is at playing the underneath role as the guy who is chasing I just the promos these past two weeks have not hit that well for me. I I think Cody is a fantastic promo. I think when he speaks, the way he speaks, the way he strings together words, especially his tone, his conviction, it's all very good. When Cody Rhodes speaks, you are listening to that man. Does that mean the material is always good? No. In the material the last two weeks has been like you said, it's been a little over the place. One week he's like, you know, I had you like without solo, I would have beaten you. And then this week it's, you were the better man. I was not prepared for all of this. It's like, wait, what are, what are we doing here? Cody, it's mixed messages there. I think Cody is great at the rah, rah, fire up kind of stuff, but being the beaten down person when he is chasing as, as the challenger does, it doesn't, doesn't hit for me. In the same way. And this is why Cody probably should have won. And he should have just continued to be the Cena, be the Hogan person of like, let's rally everybody together. And then, yeah, I'll overcome in the matches. It doesn't have to be the same formula as Hogan and Cena because Cody isn't that that type of guy when it comes to match structure. But 
it needed to be sort of the same personality of going out there and going out there and firing everybody up and overcoming in that way. So there's different types of adversity, right? Like there, there's different types of adversity. Be, overcoming adversity does not mean you just got to lose a bunch of wrestling matches. You can overcome the adversity in the wrestling match. Cody would have overcome an adversity in the WrestleMania match because, oh, here's Solo. Oh, wait, Solo gets kicked out. Okay, you had to overcome. Here's the Usos. Okay, Sammy and Kevin come out. You overcome that. Solo can come back. He can hit Cody with the spike. Roman can hit the spear. Cody should have kicked out of that. That's still overcoming some adversity in the match. As, as we've mentioned, overcoming Stardust, overcoming his entire first WWE run altogether, overcoming, he was not welcome on the independent scene at first. At like first, the crowd, right. The crowd was not really behind him. I, there was a lot of play wrestler in his act. It didn't seem like he really found his footing until he started doing uh, Bullet Club stuff. And then AEW, he was the top guy. They probably shouldn't put the title on him then. They booked themselves or he booked himself into a corner with all of that. And he had to overcome all that. And did he do a great job of overcoming that with his meta heel stuff? I don't know. That didn't, that didn't connect with me fully. I found it funny. The Cody verse was hilarious to me but clearly the crowd had a, a mixed reaction on all of that so there's different types of overcoming adversity they are choosing the route of let's just have this man lose and then look like a dork when he cuts this promos and it ain't working it, it's not it's not really working for it christian says uh cody's promo this week well, it was not hitting for me until the point i am at line and that's the way cody should be approaching the adversity with confidence knowing he's the better man i don't disagree with that at all like i don't like that line was was very good again when he he has lines he has points he hammers them home he is good at that stuff but sometimes the overall material just gets lost and the bigger picture the bigger story of his promos it doesn't always work for me but yeah when he hits a point like that it's very memorable and that's why cody is such a good promo uh, Shytown Spurs says on typical WWE fashion, the adversity Cody has to overcome is their own manufactured adversity and not right. the organic adversity. hundred percent, hundred percent agree with that. That's pretty much exactly what I was going to say. Shytown Spurs. That, yeah. Took the words out of my mouth. That That's in, I think in WWE's mind, they are so used to, and I'm not even saying this is necessarily a bad thing. I understand why they do this because of their audience. Because they're, they're, they're approaching this. Cody's kind of different because they have to know there's a different audience that's been tuning in for him since he's been back with like the Cody countdown and the way the ratings spike and stuff. Like they have to know that, but in like generally speaking, they've always done this kind of stuff where like they'll, they're not expecting you as the viewer to really know the backstory. They want you, they want to manufacture the whole thing in front of you. So they want all these, you know, eight-year-old, 10-year-old kids and stuff who who might not have any knowledge of AEW or might not have seen anything about Cody's AEW run or, or indie run, may not have seen Cody at all as Stardust or, you know, in his former WWE run. And all they're seeing is this guy who came in last year, had some banger matches, got hurt, came back, won the Rumble. And like, that's the most, and, they, and they've heard of Dusty Rhodes, but they've never seen Dusty Rhodes wrestle. You know what I mean? There's So I think the WWE audience, like I understand that, to them, they might think that like their audience hasn't seen the adversity because everything we're talking about for the most part was like either once again, first WWE run, which was already years ago at this point, or, you know, indie run, which they might not have been paying attention to the, the, the difference once again, though, 
is you could hear it in the reactions because like the pops he was getting heading into WrestleMania and at WrestleMania was so massive that it's like you didn't need to fill anyone in. Like you got it. You did it. He's over. Like you could put the belt on him. You don't need to make it. You don't need to add anything else to this. Like this is the final package. This is the package that you bought. You bought the American Nightmare package with the 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 blonde hair and the the music and the entrance gear and everything. Like you bought that you bought that package and it worked. And the kids who were too young to understand all the backstory, they don't need to know the the backstory because look at them. They're showing up wearing Cody Rhodes merchandise. He's handing them the the weight belt. He's mega over with kids who don't even need to know about the Bullet Club and know about All In and know about AEW and stuff. He's just over. So it's so I I, I agree with I t- completely agree with Shy Town Spurs and everything that you're saying. Like it's it's all hand in hand. Um, but the the difference is they just didn't need to do it with Cody. They just had a very and this isn't me being biased as a Cody family. This is just the honest truth. They. I don't want to say lucky, but like they wound up in this really rare situation where without having to really do a whole lot, like lore wise or background wise, Cody came in super over against Seth Rollins at WrestleMania and he stayed over and it became even more over because of his injury and doing the hell in a cell match. So it's like they had it, like they didn't even need to do all this extra stuff. They just had it in the time. It was perfect. And that's why this is another, another just layer to why, because once again, even if they give Cody the title later, which I think they still very well could, I just can't imagine. I don't think there's anything they can do between now and whenever that is that will make him hotter than he was heading into WrestleMania. So that, so anything they do just seems like a backstep. Or once again, it just seems like they should have just done everything they're about to do just with him as the champion already. So They could have done the overcoming adversity all before this as well and he would have been just as hot so when he had the torn pec when he had the pec injury he could have lost to seth rollins people would have been like hey look torn pec losing to seth rollins he already beat seth twice he could have lost to rollins gone on the shelf right and then comes back in the rumble they had him enter 30 they didn't have to enter him 30 they could have had him enter literally anywhere else he could have been number one because it wasn't a surprise they told you he was coming back so he could have been Number one, he could have even been like 15 or something to show like he he just was in there a little bit longer. But number 30 made it seem like, oh, you didn't really have to. And you beat the guy. You tossed the guy who was number one and who had been in there the entire time. Like mm-hmm. that could have been the adversity is coming back from the torn peck already in and of itself. Adversity. Putting him at number 30, that was a decision they made. They could have had put him anywhere else to show whatever this adversity they want him to go through is. And if it, if he lost to Rollins, and then he beats Roman at WrestleMania, you have an automatic feud right there. You still could have done the Brock feud, same way. Then you could have circled back to the Seth feud, and it would have made a lot more sense because Seth would have had that victory over Cody. Yeah, it, like That's your SummerSlam main event right there, if you're asking me, like Seth and Cody. like I feel like that's a, that's a big main event. I know people might, because we saw it so much last year, people don't, don't wouldn't like it too much, but like Seth is over. The babyface heel dynamic maybe gets a little lost, but Seth is very good at, at switching uh, with that. Because I think Seth is still kind of heel-ish. It's just he's been working against a guy like Logan Paul who's nobody's going to boo, boo, and his song is very over. But, I mean, Chris Jericho's song is very over, and people he still finds ways to get them to, to boo. Seth, is, Seth can do the same thing. So they had an adversity story going into WrestleMania. 
one that could have been slightly manufactured with their own booking of Seth winning or putting Cody not 30 in the Rumble. And one that was actually organic of just everything going against the bloodline. Like that's adversity in and of itself. They So they had that. Yeah. Instead, it is very, let's beat you over the head with this guy is beaten down and now he needs to overcome that, which WWE has always had a problem with of like, instead of the subtle stuff, which they've done a decent job with throughout the bloodline story. They've done the subtle, the subtle stuff, but everything else, the majority of their history is beat you over the head with stuff. And they are going to beat you over the head with adversity. Uh, Christian, I says, I hate that WWE is trying to create this adversity for Cody. Like Dax said, all they needed to do was show was going stardust. Now that was the adversity. I don't think they highlighted the the torn pec stuff enough right. in, in the buildup. Like that was a big moment. And maybe it was because like, Hey, we don't want to, we don't want to show you. This is what he actually overcame. Mm-hmm. And this is what he came back from because again, we got to create our own adversity when it comes to Cody. And this loss is how we create it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, and, and I mean, even you can even link adversity to just the simple idea that like just how I don't want to say dumb because like either way, Cody is like he's one of their top guys with or without the belt at this point. Like he came in and but like and he said this himself in interviews, so that's why I'm okay. I'm okay with saying it, but like he doesn't want to look stupid either. Like he left a company he founded to come back because of probably a lot of promises. And like, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that they flat out told him, if you come back, we're giving you the world title. I'm not necessarily saying that, but like for him to make that kind of move to leave AEW and to come back to WWE, he had to have had a real confidence regardless of how much money he's getting, which I'm sure that was a gigantic part of it too. But like, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like for, to make that, it's, that's incredibly risky to make a move like that and you can look really really stupid if you come over and they just wind up not going all the way with you um after all that and it'd be one thing if they brought him in and he just jobbed out which obviously they didn't do that it was nothing near that um but now that's where my fear starts really lying is like well do they not do they do they see cody as the guy or not because if they don't then i could see him losing to someone like brock i could see him losing to some other top guys and him just kind of becoming kind of like everyone else maybe he gets the title at some point maybe he doesn't but they need to once again that's why it's it's very important he beats brock and he needs to do it convincingly it doesn't it, it can't be some bs ref bump shortcut small package schoolboy roll-up type thing like cody needs to beat him one two three with a crossroads straight up or he needs to tap him which would be even more powerful if, if you get somehow tap brock like they need to do something to really established Cody is like, you can't fuck with this dude. The Roman, the Roman thing, like they need a position like Romans win over Cody was a fluke. Like, like everything else is always positioned the other way. Like, like people are barely getting by or like someone's barely getting by Cody had him and they need to make that really clear. So he needs to go, he needs to run. I, I don't say he has to run through Brock, but I think he needs to decisively beat him without any controversy. And then, uh, you know, and also, like, do you think that, like, maybe Brock could ever, like, join into the bloodline or something? Like, almost like two-man power trip with, with Roman at some point? Because I'm thinking, no. like, both of them with Heyman, it's, if, if Brock's going to stay a heel, I could see, like, maybe them, if, like, the Usos can't, like, you know, I've just kind of been thinking about stuff going forward. Like, if the Usos can't win back the tag belts and, like, maybe Solo's the only guy that, 
and Jay winds up turning. I could see them maybe doing like a Roman and Brock thing like together at some point under Heyman. I don't know. There's a lot of possibility with all this stuff. But once again, the sticking on the Cody thing, he's got to beat Brock. It's very, very, very important. And I think everyone agrees with the whole adversity thing. Nobody needed to see this extra layer of adversity. Everyone, everyone was there to see him win at WrestleMania. So um, now it's on them to to like make this right and get him in a position to where people want to see it that badly again. So I think the the two men power trip makes sense on paper because we never got to see what that fully was with Austin and Triple H because Triple right. H got hurt with Roman and Brock. Though it doesn't. I don't know if it quite a lot. I can't see like Brock, like being close with Roman. No, I Roman get press, it. Like, but like, but if Roman can't, but if like Brock can't challenge Roman for the title anymore, especially, and I know this seems like quote unquote below Brock, I'm sure, but there's all these rumors about Brock and Gunther. If they did Brock and Gunther and like Brock actually won the intercontinental title, like, and you had Brock as IC champion and Roman as the world champion, or if they split the two titles at some point soon, you know, again, and you had Brock as one champion and Roman as the other or something. I just, uh, it is an idea that I think is worth thinking about. But now that Brock's the heel again, it just made me think, like, why wouldn't he get back with Paul Heyman? You know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't he just align with Roman Reigns? And, you know, so anyway, just something to think about if, if it does wind up happening at some point. But but you're right about the two-man power trip thing. We all, we all look back on it like it was a really cool opportunity, but we never got to see it play out because of Triple H's injury. So, what's what's Cody's uh, finishing move that he taps Brock with? Is he use the figure so, four? I, so, like that's the one you would think. But what about an arm triangle? Like like a UFC style, like from the yeah. bottom. Yeah. No, cool. no, 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 an, an arm, an arm triangle. So like top, top mount arm triangle. Oh, like I had an arm, like I had an arm. Triangle. Yeah, yeah, head arm triangle. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 that is an arm triangle. There's, there's, it, 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 that's the same. You know, it's the same as calling like a like a double wrist lock Kimura. It's, it's the same move. Right. Yeah, the um, I don't know. That's kind of a good, but but in in pro wrestling, might as well pin someone if you can put someone like that. That's why I never understood CM Punk using the Anaconda Vice in pro wrestling. And that, this isn't me knocking Punk. It's just like you might as well just pin him. You know what I mean? Right. If you have someone on the shoulder, they're on their shoulders already, and you have them in that hold, and it's professional wrestling, just hold them down for three seconds. You don't need to tap them. Um, but um, a good titty twister. Let me just titty twister. Yeah, twisted Brock's tits, and then Brock tapped out. But like you know, figure four would be the only problem with the figure four is that it's just been so played out that you just never really see people tap to it anymore. There was a while, this was already like 10 years ago, but I remember Adam Cole got it over pretty big again for a little while in Ring of Honor when he was the champion. Um, but yeah, I uh, but I don't know. But I, it's just the idea of like, it'd be even more powerful to see Brock tap out. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just trying to think of any way they can make Cody look the best possible coming out of this thing. So A north-south choke. I don't see those in wrestling too often. That'd be pretty cool. But once again, you're pinning someone basically um yeah but but you could get it from like the the bottom and stuff and turn it over like nice little gator roll on there i'm trying to like incorporate cody's sort of oh, amateur yeah. Stormbreaker said there. the crossface chicken wing because of the <laughs> chicken. that's actually a good Stormbreaker. that's a good one um yeah yeah i don't know um but it'd be good for him to have a uh like a did he not ever use like an Indian Deathlock type thing, type move ever? I feel like he did for like a short time, but um, but anyway, I 
the, the, anyway, the whole the whole point is, regardless of what the submission hold would be, I think it'd be good for him to also have a submission finisher. Like it's always good to have that that option. Even Brock, you know, over the, over the years, like he'll use Kimura's. I remember, remember the Brock lock when he put like someone's like behind yeah, his head. And, yeah, that was that yeah. was great. Stretch muscle. The, the stress yeah. muscle, yeah, the stretch muscle. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Brock lock. That was that was a great. Move. So anyway, um, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how I feel about it. Last point on Cody for me. One thing that I know, I know people have mentioned this uh, before, but one thing that got lost in not putting the belts on Cody, but yet he's still pretty much the face of, of Raw, is that they could have done a lot of this with the title, and it feels it all feels less than because he didn't win the title, even though he's still the face of, of Raw, and we've dealt with this with Roman for the past few years now, where he's not showing up to every show. You know, he's not headlining every show and they did a good job of getting the u.s title over uh especially when lashley had it and when rollins had it as well like it's lost a little bit since, since theory has had it but roman has been showing up for a lot of that and sammy and, and kevin and that whole story has, has really carried things but now that sammy and kevin have the titles the story takes a little bit of, of a downturn because the peak that was the peak right like sammy and kevin winning the titles was the peak it was never going to crescendo that high again so the natural uh the, the natural movement is to, to take a downturn a little bit. But, you know, they could have they could have mitigated that some with Cody. Hey, the champion is here every week on every show. And because they had because they don't have the title on them now, it's like you have Raw. Cody's still the top guy. What's Austin Theory in the U.S. title is the top thing? Like, he beat John Cena, which should have been a big deal. But then he needs help beating Rey Mysterio on Raw. He's not on the show last week. I, I assume he was part of the travel issue uh, thing, so I can't really hold that against him. I, I don't know that for sure. But if he wasn't used because they didn't decide to use him, I don't know. But the theory, I've, I'm on record of saying I don't. I don't think that's the guy right there. So I don't I'm quite like trying to build the show around him or anything. And then on SmackDown, like they're still going with the the Sammy Kevin Uso stuff, which is good. You've inserted Riddle into that now. Storyline wise makes sense. Personal wise, other thoughts and feelings on that. But it, again, the the natural thing is that it's going to just go down from WrestleMania because you were building towards that peak. Cody being the champion could have helped a lot of this out and make these shows feel more important. Like I don't think that the shows don't feel quite as important to me with Cody coming off this loss and still, oh, I'm going to face Brock Lesnar type of thing. And then the champion not actually being there. And I think they lost something when they just didn't put the title on Cody and making the shows feel extra important because the champion's actually showing up every single week. Yeah, I'm with you. My WWE spotlight, Steven Jensen, is Trish Stratus. There's an important person. Trish Stratus has turned on Rebecca Lynch and Lita. So Lita was laid out backstage. We don't know who did it. And then they decided, well, Trish is going to take Lita's place in the women's title uh, tag team title defense against Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. And then Trish lost the match and then kicked Becky in the head. Trish is a terrible friend and apparently a terrible competitor because she just got rolled up and lost the titles for her friends. I know the turn was heavily rumored and people thought it might happen at WrestleMania. What'd you think of, of this turn mm -hmm. and how it was set up and executed? I'm, I'm fine with it. Like I, I actually probably prefer Trish as a heel right now. Anyways, yeah. You know, some sometimes, sometimes this works and sometimes it doesn't. When you bring back 
like a veteran and you want him to to switch it up like that but sometimes you need that so like, it, it's really situational for instance i think trish like, I, like trish is honestly one of if not like the most important wwe women like ever so like i'm always going to give her massive credit where it's due um especially because for people who don't remember or might not know she came in as a manager for test and albert tna uh, not the company but the tag team and they um and she wasn't a wrestler like and she was essentially literally she was she was eye candy like she wasn't there was no th- that was the era back then there was a lot of valets and that kind of stuff that didn't really wrestle and trish like made it a point to not only learn how to wrestle but got really 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 good at it and became like i said one of the most important women i think in wwe history and now that she's back even on like a somewhat regular basis they need to think of like fresh things to do with her and i think that this is something that's going to work really well um the the kind of uh contrast to this or like the the double-edged sword or like the flip side or whatever is like i don't think it worked really well with like edge you know when they tried to do the judgment day thing so like you have to just kind of be careful about how you use that or because there is an expectation i think of kind of what you're going to see out of them or if it's going to be something totally different you need to make sure it clicks um because otherwise people are just going to be like damn because with the edge the edge stuff um i'm a really big fan of edge uh historically i i, I, I am and i know you're not but um when he came back it was really cool to see because it had been so long but then when he changed his character and changed his theme music and started this whole judgment day group and all that stuff myself and many others that i was you know seeing online and stuff it really seemed like most people were like damn are we really, really like wasting the last few years of Edge on this? Why aren't we just doing Edge versus so and so and so and so and just a bunch of dream matches? And so that's kind of the two. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time, but The question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Side to this that I just wanted to bring up is I really like the idea of Trish turning heel because I think it makes stuff fresh and I think it's going to give her more longevity of being more interesting going forward on the show. But I also don't want it to be something that's like so different than what we're used to seeing out of her that people are just sitting there like, damn, oh, we're just getting, you know, classic Trish Stratus, just dream matches while we have her. You know what I mean? It feels like you just got to be careful with you have limited time with these legends and their availability. So you just got to be you know, really careful about like optimizing, you know, what you're putting on screen while you got them. This is the only thing that I guess I'd bring up. So. Well, it looks like we're going towards Trish and Becky, which is a dream. Which is great. No, which is no. Yeah, that's all I'm saying is I just don't want them to like totally change Trish. Like, because like Edge, they totally changed. Like, because like Judgment Day was totally different. I don't know who, like, who pitched the judge. I, it seems like Edge actually pitched all of that. Now, in hindsight, he realizes that seemed like a mistake because, oh, it was swimming upstream. People didn't want to boo Edge because legitimately Edge did come back from a career ending injury and everybody was just so happy to have him back. And then he came back from another injury when in the greatest match ever against Randy Orton, he came back from that match as well. He also had to go through the pandemic era where he came back at rumble and then immediately hits pandemic crowds didn't get a chance to cheer him or anything. So people just didn't want to boo edge. And then it was like, Hey, boo edge. The other thing with that is judgment day, how it was presented the whole setup and edge trying to be spooky, like trying to do this new brood thing didn't work when we knew just too much of Adam Copeland, the person that's why this brood edge stuff just isn't working for it. When he's a floating head in front of candles and stuff, none of that just, it, it doesn't hit with me at all. So I think edge was almost put in a position seemingly by himself to fail with a lot of that stuff. Trish, there's a little bit, actually a lot bit more like meat on this in that she comes back on her own volition. She wasn't, she didn't have to overcome a career ending injury type of thing. She's been back and forth. She retired at SummerSlam um, and in the Charlotte match, but decided to just come back because she wanted to come back. There's an actual story there of like Becky and Lita, Becky choosing Lita, Lita choosing Becky to, to win the titles with Trish, obviously being best friends with Lita, Trish helping Becky uh, prior to, to WrestleMania a few years ago. So there's an actual story there with them. And Trish is very good as a heel and just playing off of real life stuff with that. She's not getting caught up in a bunch of spooky nonsense like Judgment Day was supposed to do either. Like this is just a real story when it comes to Trish. So I think it works. I, I saw people were a little upset with the, with the turn because like, oh, it, you know, I wish it would have been built a little bit more. And everything like there were some body language signs that were there when it came with, with Trish and, and Lita and, and Trish and Becky. So there were there were some small, subtle things that were there. And I'm going to trust that Trish can cut uh, the promo to really explain everything of why uh, what her motivation was on this. And at the end of the day, it's going to lead to Trish and Becky. I think at this stages of their career, Trish is a better worker than Becky. I, I think that match will be good. Becky has been very good since she's been back uh, from injury really since she's been back from um, 
one, the injury, and two, since she came back from from giving birth. So I think Becky's been good. I'm looking forward to to the match whenever it happens. So I like the turn. Becky gets a good feud as the man and everything. So I like it. The women's tag team titles, they're an afterthought of all of this. And that seems to be, I don't know, by design, but that's just, that's where they're at. That's their place on the card, right? Yeah. No point in getting upset with that in my mind. Yeah, I'm with you. AEW spotlight, Steven Jensen. We got we got plenty to talk about with AEW. I'm old and I'm fucking tired, and I work with fucking children. <laughs> I'm tired of wrestling these kids that think they uh, they know everything. Yeah, so your new bumpers. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. CM Punk. Yeah. In September, he was tired of wrestling these kids who think they know everything, but now, according to Dax Harwood and according to Sean Ross Sapp. He wants to wrestle these kids who think they know everything. Maybe he got younger. Maybe he had a good nap. He got some good sleep over these past few months. He's no longer injured. He seems to be recovered. And he's all these men are adults now. They've grown up since September. CM Punk is ready to return. He misses wrestling. We didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. Jensen, because it was very Cody-centric show. Uh, I commented on it a little bit after we did the interview, but AEW announced All In for Wembley Stadium, and they're trying to sell upwards of fifty thousand tickets for that thing. I, I think they, I think they want to hit sixty. I don't know if they will. I, I kind of think they will be around sixty, but they definitely like. I think they're shooting for fifty. If they hit sixty, good on. That's triple their attendance record, which is twenty thousand at uh, Arthur Ashe right now. You need something big for that show. Dax Harwood has said, you want to sell these tickets. FTR, CM Punk against the Elite. This is the way to do it. A lot of reports he wants to return. What are we thinking here, Jensen? You ready? You ready to look in the eyes? See what you see? Cult of personality? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a few things that I think are really important to all of this that we need to keep in mind. And... I'll probably repeat myself quite a bit, but I don't know how much of this I can really say that I haven't already said about the whole situation. And I don't want to, I don't want to like repeat myself too much because, you know, but, but something that I think is really important that people need to understand this whole situation. This, this, I I don't think this is a, 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 a situation where it's on CM Punk to make this decision at all. Sure. Like it's like, you know, and that's, I see a lot of people that are like, all right, he wants to come back. He wants to come back. He's probably wanted to come back this whole time. It's a matter of, do the elite want to work with him? And that's speculation, by the way. I don't know that. But my guess is that CM Punk's probably wanted to come back the whole time. Whether he feels kind of stupid or silly for what he said, or he just wants to be be able to get the money that's owed to him in his contract, or whatever the motivations are. I think he's wanted to come back the whole time. And of course, like the injuries, what kept him out up to this point, but now he can come back. So, but it's not really up to him. I don't think, I think it's a matter of Tony Khan feeling comfortable with him being back. Obviously there's a lot of money to be made business wise. I totally understand that, but it's a matter of, you know, do the elite, like does, does Kenny Omega and the young bucks want to work with him? Does hangman page want to work with him? You know, um, and I just don't know the answer to that. I think that, you know, I know that, that, um, AEW is going to be in Chicago, the dynamite before forbidden door. 
so that's going to lead to a lot of speculation that CM Punk is going to come back in Chicago, which I could see happening. If he's going to come back, that would probably make sense that he'd do it then. But I, because uh, that's, that's when is, when's the Wembley show? August, end of August, 26th. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that would give him plenty of time to, to like, they could promote Forbidden Door the, that week. They, then they got plenty of time before the Wembley show for All In. Yeah, they have two months. Yeah, so that would be that actually be perfect. If that's what if that if he's coming back, that'll be when I think would would be that that Chicago Dynamite before All In. Sorry, before uh before uh Forbidden Door. But you know, someone I'm gonna be honest, someone I feel bad about in this whole situation is Cash Wheeler. I'm gonna be honest because he's not saying anything about any of this. And like Dax, I like Dax. I think he's a great dude. Like, and the whole, like his family story and all that stuff, like it's very touching. I, I think he's a great, I think he's a great guy. Um, I am absolutely a Dax the Axe fan, but I don't know if what he's going out there and saying is doing anyone any favors. So if I'm being completely honest, I love that tune as well. Obviously I've had him on the show. Like I love that podcast. I think it's great stuff. But the, the, the reason I'm bringing this up is just because the, it, it just does not seem kind of weird to you like the whole situation it's like dax is kind of speaking for punk well, but like okay. sorry go ahead yeah so well ftr silent is ftr silent for a reason and then there's ftr loud who is sure, for right, hair and bald right right yes. yeah um so i i wanted to, i wanted to touch on this so i'm glad you brought this up it does seem like there is a very big uh pu- public relations game being played here uh, of court of public opinion right being played yes with Dax that's, that's what i'm trying to get to constantly yes. yeah with constantly yes. bringing this up like he wants to come back he misses you know dax did the live show and he's like i got a text from punk he says he misses everybody wish i could get you all ice cream bars and stuff like dax is speaking a lot publicly on this stuff again sean puts out the report of like cm punk has told people he wants he's told AEW he wants to come back and everything like there's a lot of public like you said, I'm sure she, CM Punk wants to come back. I'm sure he's been wanting to come back. He sees this as an opportunity. Hey, let's make money. He's on uh, Instagram. He's on a pro wrestling podcast Instagram page commenting on all of this stuff. Like he's out there talking, not necessarily about the incident, but just about his missing pro wrestling and wanting to coming back and how he thinks like, yeah, put it aside. Let's make money. All of this stuff. You know, he posted the picture of him as Rocky yesterday on his instagram page like yeah i'm sure he does want to come back to to a point you made i don't think he feels silly about any of this i think he still feels he's 100 correct in this situation and like i've, I've said this entire time and, and you've you've said it as well is like we've kind of heard punk's side of all of this like we kind of know how punk feels about all of this there's another party all involved to this and how do they feel because they are not being public about this kenny omega has said very little about it he he said like you know we want to do good for pro wrestling and everything very cliche generic i'm not gonna upset anybody but then there was they they did the troll match uh in chicago i believe that trios match where they're hitting go to sleeps and they're doing a bunch of punk references and everything they trolled with colt cabana coming back then he's been kind of sidelined just doing producing i know he did have an injury but so so they've done some petty things like that as you come to expect from the elite, but like, as far as just commenting on it in interviews or social media posts, they, they just have it. They haven't done any of that. You know, it was supposed to, I don't know if it's supposed to be covered. Sorry. Um, 
But the timeline matched up where All Access was being filmed around all of this, and they don't want to talk about that at all. It's just like, yeah, we've been away. We don't want to talk about what happened. We've just, we've just been away. Now we're coming back, and we're wondering how things are going to go. You know, the, the Young Bucks, they haven't really commented on it at all. It's just very much like we're not going to talk about it. Obviously, Tony has no commented on all of this. No matter how you frame the question, he's no commented on all of it. So there is another side that people are just almost ignoring because they're like, Punk wants to return, bring him back, a lot of money to be made. And again, there's a big public thing here with Dax and, and these reports of people are basically framing it or people are of the opinion because of how it's being covered through through comments by Dax and things like that of like, they want to return. Why aren't they returning? Like, why aren't they being brought back? Oh, the elites are holding them back. Oh, Tony doesn't want to bring them back. It's like, I, I don't think there's truth to that. I don't think it's like, oh, the elite are saying we don't want him to come back. I think there are still fences that need to be very much mended bridges that need to be very much rebuilt and i don't know what steps have been made to doing that like yeah it's very easy to say i want to return i want to return like to, to, to use like a a personal example here of all of this stuff let's just say we did this show one day and i just completely buried you on everything right i was I'm sitting like, right you know, next to you on screen yeah like yeah. Stephen J, unprofessional. <laughs> yeah. Just he, he he shows up late all the time. He's he's he, he. I don't like his opinions. I don't like any of this stuff. Like just completely. You know who I would actually bury, Jensen? I would just bury Kate because I actually don't like working with Kate. I think I think she's terrible. I've given her everything that she's ever had. Like the only reason she has all of these shows, especially the Friday show is because of me. I just handed that to her on a silver platter. Hear me. All right. You listen to me and you listen to me good. The reason I took over the Friday show is you weren't getting the job done. You don't have the star power. All right. To see what it takes. You're not the draw that I am. Just like the elite just aren't the draw. See, I can do that and just. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have to say? Why are you here? Well, I just. Did you see the kind of shape that Punk is in? He looks great. And I feel like nobody's really talking about it. Oh, no, I haven't. You haven't seen it? Let me see if I can pull could he, it up. Could he beat Cody Rhodes in a street fight? Oh, my God. I mean, of, first of all, of oh course God, he could. Please don't. Cody, oh Cody's such a, such a, such a big loser. So. Oh, yeah. It's because Sam, Punk, Sam Punk's a big, big, big UFC winner. He, well, <laughs> uh, arguably, Cody Rhodes is a better UFC. I agree. Uh, Cody's undefeated. <laughs> Cody's undefeated in the UFC. Well, I'm saying, we talked about that earlier. Cody, Cody versus Brock in the UFC. Cody's got the advantage. He's undefeated. Brock isn't. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Jensen, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Kate? You all right? I'm all right. I'm sick. I got sinuses. It's 85 degrees here. I had a winter coat on like two weeks ago. What's happening? Like, (laughs) yeah, it's weird here too in Atlanta. Where are we? Are we getting a picture of Punk? Yeah, I'm I don't know. Kate is I mean, ruining like, things. We have. Time. Oh yeah, I know. I did see. Look that at either. the shape this guy is in. Yeah. Look, he is ripped. All right, he is jacked to the gills. He looks great. He's obviously been training. I don't know what his happened to all his tattoos. Face looks a little weird. Face does look a little bit off, but new hair. 
I don't know, maybe the tanning or something is messing with the tattoos, but I think he looks great. Look at the shape this guy's in. He looks like he's watched all the Rocky movies. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he's watched all the Rocky movies now. Had to have. Do you have anything else to add to this, Kate? I just wanted to say hi. Okay. I sincerely, like, I've been thinking about Jensen, like, every time Cody Rhodes is on my screen, and it makes me so much so As we fun. all should. As we, As we all yeah. should, but I mostly came on here because I'm I'm a certified CM Punk expert, and you guys were talking about it, and I didn't want you to have uninformed opinions. Oh, appreciate that. <laughs> I got a very, very, very important Punk take. Well, I, I don't know how much we're more going to really talk about Punk, to be honest, today. I uh, I was going to wrap kind of wrap a bow on my, my side of it and just say that, uh, you know, regardless of when he comes back, you just have to be prepared for him to do this again. So it's just like, if you're going to bring him back, just know – it's a matter of time before he has another, before he cries about something else and puts your company in another bad spot. But um, one thing that I was thinking about was like his contract's probably a lot of money, right? I think it's fair course. to assume. And he's been sidelined with injury for a really long time. I'm like, is his attitude going to keep him from them being like, you know what? We're not going to hold injury time against you on <laughs> the contract. Maybe we'll just ride out what we have because well, that's like, uh i don't know there's so much we don't know like there's so much talk of all this stuff and nothing's really been decided but i do think it's very suspicious that they announced their canadian dates in wembley like right i mean that feels like they're set yeah. up for for yeah for chicago, chicago right before forbidden door like that's pretty telling i think so. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what they're going to work out, but it certainly feels like if you're booking Canada and you want Punk to come back as a top heel, like Punk versus Omega is sitting right yeah. there. So Yeah, yeah I mean, so it'd be massive, fun. for sure. But for sure. I just wanted to... Uh, Jeremy always does run-ins. I was like, why can't I do a run Yes. I gotta show up. But I hope you guys have a good day. Thanks, you too, Kate. Bye, Kate. Guys, drink your water. Drink and take care sun. of yourselves. Get your rest. There you go. Ooh, Capri Sun? OG mm -hmm. flavor or what you got? You got a fruit fruit punch. Fruit punch, very nice, very classy. Respect. Thank you. Appreciate Have that. Have fun, guys. All right. See you, Bye. The way I almost there. Get out of here. <laughs> she probably about hit in broadcast because I do that a lot when I. I almost do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I leave the show, then before you do the interviews, I always always double check that. But no, I mean that's I get it. I get I. There's definitely a lot of money to be made for CM Punk coming back, there's definitely a lot of money he wants to be paid because he's going to be, there's money I'm sure on this contract that he can't get unless he's there. So I'm sure there's plenty of motivations for Punk to want to be back, but if you're the elite, do you want to deal with him? And that's what I think it really comes down to. Or if you're Tony Khan and the elite and, or most of the locker room, because we're not talking about just, just the elite either. Really? I mean, Mox has issues with him. He's had issues forever with guys like Eddie Kingston, like, like there's a lot of people that just he's said, you know, and once again, it's just it comes down to this. If you want to get the bag, like if Punk wants to make his money, Tony Khan wants to make a good amount of money. Um, they want to try to like pay this thing off with CM Punk and the Elite, CM Punk versus Kenny Omega, CM Punk versus Hangman Page, like all that kind of stuff. I'm all for the idea of that because I do think CM Punk's run on AEW television was fantastic. I'll, I'll never take that away from the guy, but they just have to go into it knowing that this will probably happen again. 
something like this will happen again. There's this track record of it that goes all the way back to the early 2000s of some of these people I just mentioned. Punk can't get along with people from 20 years ago. Punk had a, his public exit from the WWE with the pipe bomb and the the, the interviews after and the, the failed UFC run and all this stuff. It just it, it's just not at some point, you, you know, at some point the AW is going to have to deal with a similar situation to this again, probably while he's there. Um, and what's really, what's really shitty about it too, is like, he was not long before that he was literally sitting next to Tony Khan crying tears of joy. The opposite, the opposite was happening. Talking about the, yeah, well, yeah. And talking about like the ROH library and all that stuff. Right. Like, and just, it just, how happy he was to be back. And, um, and it wasn't long after we're talking just like a few months later, and it's all flipped complete 180 and now he hates everyone and everyone's an idiot. And I I've talked about this before. I couldn't not even just in like a pro wrestling setting, but in my, for my shoot job, I couldn't ever just like, pu- not even publicly, even privately, but publicly would be even worse. If I, like you just said, we're sitting right next to each other talking about something that has to do with work in front of everyone we work with and everyone who knows about our company. And I just roast my boss right in front of them. They'd be like, my boss would get rid of me. They'd be like, okay, you can't do that. You're fired. You know, what, it's, what was it's not only, yeah, it's not only that it's what, what I was saying beforehand is like, I just bury you. Then I punch you and bite you as right. well. And then a few months later, I'm like, I don't know if there's been an apology, but a few months later, I'm like, you know what? I really wanted to do the spotlight again. I, I miss, I miss doing the spotlight with Jensen. Like, right. You it's just want me to decide if I want to even work yeah. with you anymore. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, so, I mean, that's, and I think it's pretty simple to look at it exactly like that. You know, could they make a lot of money? Yes. But is it worth dividing the locker room or whatever the consequence could be of bringing him back? Which we just don't know. I mean, I, I, he has plenty of supporters too. It's not like there's plenty of wrestlers that want him back. I know I see him hanging out with Brody King and a lot of pictures and stuff recently. And um, obviously he's got the relationship with Dax and like, it's not like everyone wants him out and there are people who are going to have his side like i get that but um once again i I gotta make this really clear if it comes down to even as simple as if it comes down to kenny omega versus cm punk i'm picking kenny omega if it comes down to kenny omega and the elite versus cm punk i'm obviously taking all the elite you know like it just i just don't if we were talking cm punk from 2011 and he was still like that age and that over and that big of like a worldwide star and had, and, and we thought that that we were going to have that CM Punk for the next 10 years. It's a different story, but where we're at right now in 2023 with the age CM Punk is with his track record and how great the elite are and how important the elite are to AEW. I, you got to pick the elite all day. So if, if, if everyone is on the same page and they all want to work together, great, let's do it. But if it comes down to the elite doesn't want to work with them, I completely, I completely support the elite not wanting to work with it. I totally get that. Last point on this, and I think a point that maybe people are missing because they they hear CM Punk wants to return, they think a lot of money can be made, and they, they're probably right about that. The elite are under no obligation to forgive CM Punk if and when, and if he has apologized. Like they, they are under no obligation to accept that apology based on what we know happened, what we heard happened, and then what we, what's been reported and what we believe to have happened. People don't have to accept apologies just because 
it, it, they think it's going to make them look better or because it's going to make them money in wrestling. You don't have to. If, if something hurts you that bad, you don't have to accept the apology. Like, it's sure that's what it is. So, yeah, the young boys are on record of saying this was like the worst like few months they've had in their lives. So, there's probably yeah. a lot behind the scenes that we just don't know about that goes way deeper than just what we know. So, yeah, I, I, we, don't, we don't know. And that goes for both sides, by the way. There's stuff that, you know, I'm sure Punk has seen and heard that we don't know too. So, it's hard to make, but what, you know, either way, we're, it seems like we're all kind of on the same page about it. If they all want to work together, great. Go for it. Make money. It'll be a big deal. But, you know, if he doesn't come back and people want to like, you know, if people want to get upset about if, if that's what it comes down to and CM Punk doesn't come back and the reason winds up being because Kenny or, or the Bucks didn't want to work with them, they, the fans shouldn't attack them over that. Like they have every right in the world based on what we probably don't even know still publicly, like why they wouldn't want to work with the guy. So, yeah, I get it. Exactly. And again, if they don't want to work with them again, that's. That's their right. They're, they're going to get attacked by fans because this is the public game. Punk side is, is kind of playing with the comments people who are close to Punk are making. So, right. And I think that's one, honestly the biggest. I'm glad we brought that up. And that was like kind of the main topic of how we talked about this today. Because we can talk about CM Punk and how we feel about that guy. I've, I've made that clear over and over and over again over the years doing these kind of shows. But you know, the Dak stuff, I think is very important to bring up that, that they're, that they're, they're putting this all into the, into public opinion, which is making things murky too. And it's making people choose even more sides and kind of putting it on Tony Khan and the elite to where now all these fans are going, we want him back. He wants to be back. He's, he's saying he wants to be back, bring him back, bring him back, bring him back. But like the elites, the elite and Kenny are being quiet and for all we know, they could very easily come out and say something like, hey, this or that happened. And then everyone's like, oh, shit, never mind. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you just don't know. So, like, even if they don't say anything, like, from what all of these fans who want Punk back, like, they know the story. I don't think there's any right. misconception of what the story is here. I assume they know the story. So, again, like, they're under no obligation to forgive, forget, accept any type of apology based on what we know happened just because this man wants to return. Right. And don't forget these guys founded this company years ago, took a gigantic risk founding this thing and invited him on a, on a, on a red carpet to be like their, their first big signing for this company in back in 2019 or whatever. And he held off and held off and held off until they were an established proven brand. He swooped in and they handed him everything and he still wasn't satisfied being a multiple multiple time world champion company built around him old theme music throwback gear everything he ever wanted to do in a return to wrestling ring of honor library everything and he still wound up in the position we're in right now i just can't imagine like you do all of that and you're still disgruntled how how's it go when things don't go your way you know what i mean so like anyway that that's my last point that i'll that i'll bring up about it jensen your spotlight for AEW is sting Sting came out uh, after Darby Allen had defeated Swerve Strickland uh, and MJF came out and Darby and MJF had a little bit of back and forth about MJ. Uh, MJF is like, I'll die alone. Don't care. That's fine by me. After he was missing a family that he didn't have against Brian Danielson and Darby being like, look, I'm not going to, the, mor- the morality is not worth it for me. Like like devaluing my morals to, to get on top and things like that ain't doing ain't do any of that. I'm going to continue to be myself. And they talked about very real promo 
by Darby Allen. Like it was, it was good to hear. And then Sting came out and Sting made some very truthful points about MJF. Like, Hey, you had Cody buddy. Like you can say these other guys had people and you had nobody. You had Cody. And he gave shouts out to Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and Ric Flair and Joker Sting and all of this stuff. And he said, like, I know Showtime's just about to end for me, but it's just getting started for Darby Allen. Sting. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to put the mask on. It's tough to tough to breathe in this thing. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this promo, Jensen? Loved it. Thought it was great. I love all everything about all this because you know I've been saying for a while, really since day one AEW, that I thought Darby Allen was going to eventually be their world champion. Um, he's been one of the most over homegrown guys that they've had this whole time, and I love his pairing with Sting. I love that Darby even said that Sting isn't his dad during that promo. I thought that was really funny. Um, and yeah, it was kind of out of left field that Sting kind of resurfaced almost as the joker last night because this whole AEW run he's been for the most part pretty silent and kind of in the background for darby and this yesterday he came out and just it was like the old joker sting and he he even mentioned that um i thought the promo was great i love that he brought up that he doesn't have any interest in being the AEW world champion because that's darby's mission and he's there to support darby and that Showtime's almost over for him. So his career's, you know, winding up, but Showtime's just beginning for Darby. Um, and they planted the seeds. Cause I mean, the seeds have been planted since day one in AEW, both those guys being pillars. Their opening match at full gear uh, a couple years ago is still one of my favorite matches in AEW history between uh, MJF and Darby. And I, uh, I, I, I know that there's more meat on that bone for sure. Like, I don't think Darby's going to win this, this four-way match at the pay-per-view with the pillars. I think MJF will retain here. But I could see Darby being the one to dethrone MJF one-on-one at some point. And I've said that for a little while, that he'd be one of my front runners to do that. So uh, I love the promo. love that Sting. Uh, he roasted MJF up there um, and put over Darby and also like made it really clear. That he's planted the seeds once again, so the fans are, are aware that Sting is probably not going to be wrestling too much more. Like We're getting kind of towards the end of that this run here, which I think has been absolutely fantastic sting awesome awesome run and it's not even over yet but even to this point awesome AEW run and um and yeah so I, yeah i love the promo i loved how mjf reacted to it and then he just like wound up spitting in darby's face on the way out so he got all of his heat back on the way out of there and uh i thought this was all done brilliantly love 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 darby's promo parts love sting uh i thought mjf played it played it great so yeah everything about this thought was really good like the pom poms by Sting, just yeah, it was should have just kept going. I wish he had even more, just like a you know the the clown bit where they just keep pulling the tissue yeah, or whatever it is. Just, yeah, 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 just keep coming with the pom poms, like pockets, boots, Bomber. just pull them out of everywhere. Bomber jacket was badass. Yeah, yeah, that's a good promo. I mean, Sting, he's always kind of been a, a underrated promo, not in the sense that like there's really cutting material from him last night like there there kind of was some cutting material but underrated in just that like he's always had that energy and stuff and when you think of like good promos thing is very rarely mentioned but he's someone that he's clearly good at promos just because there's always a connection there with him like when he speaks like even if he doesn't like say the most uh almost like cody in that like even if the material isn't always the best, like there is such a tone to his promos and he understands who he is so much that you just, you're like, all right, fuck it. Like 
I maybe that didn't make a whole lot of sense, but you know what? I'm ready to run through a wall for this guy. Um, and last night there was certainly more cutting material because he, he played off a lot of the history. He had a lot to say when it came to cutting down MJF, putting over Darby Allen and everything. But yes, yeah, Sting, really great promo. I think if they wanted to, Wembley is a good retirement ceremony for him. If they, it's not like Sting's going to be wrestling a ton of matches or anything. Uh, I'd like to see him go out in a big stadium like that. Like that be the final kind of time for him. Um, we'll see what happens if that's how they decide to go with Sting. I think we all know. I think he did when he did an interview. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You did an interview with somebody, um, and he mentioned like this is like kind of the final year of his deal, and he's probably going to be sort of done after all of that. So I wouldn't be shocked if this is Sting's final year. He has a final match at some point. I could see it being Wembley. Like what better way to go than in front of you know the biggest AEW show of all time? I, I don't think Darby's going to win the title at the pay-per-view. It makes sense for him to be the one to dethrone MJF at some point. I don't know if it's going to be an elimination match at the pay-per-view. You know, if it's a single fall, Sammy Guevara can, can take that fall. Jungle Boy can take that fall. I think, I think Sammy makes the most sense because then you still have singles matches with Jungle Boy, MJF, and, and Darby. MJF is a face-heel dynamic. We'll see if uh, they decide to maybe maybe go with Darby. But regardless, great promo from Sting, and Sting should throw an MJF. That's who should. That's who I joked about that last night. I saw your wife put that up on Twitter as well, which I thought was great. I I, I was watching with my brother and uh, my buddy my buddy Hughes. I, I when when Sting was out there, I jokingly said that I was like, oh, they should just impromptu match right now. Sting just wins the title right now for MJF. Yeah, <laughs> like just yeah, just do it. Uh, uh, all right, let's 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 move on to our other spotlight, Jensen. Our product is what it is. We're going straight up the middle. Sonata is the new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. He finally did it. He finally defeated Kazuchika Okada in a really good match, and I'm glad they finally went with Sonata on this. I've been banging that drum for years. I thought they missed the opportunity a few years ago with him after he won uh, the New Japan Cup to... to, to uh, to win the title there and they, they didn't go with it, but they went with it here. They went with Sonata. Very happy that he ended up getting, getting this victory. And I love the stable of just five guys. I, the, the talent is what they are on there, but I love just the name of just five guys. And it's something new. It's something fresh. It, it doesn't feel like a miss, like uh when evil won the title that felt like, Oh no, what are we doing? What are we doing here with, with evil? That, I never thought had a chance from the very start and it, it certainly, it didn't work out too well. And then here, you know, they, they went with them and I'm very glad that they, they went with Sonata. 
For sure. Well, and the big tie in there, of course, is like when they went with Evil, that was coming off of the longtime tag team with Sonata, where most people thought that Sonata should have been the one yes, to get exactly. the title then. So when they went with Evil, it was even more confusing because it was like, wait, if you were just going to go with one of those guys, just go with Sonata. Like, no one wants to see Evil with the championship. Um, that whole thing was a disaster. That was the worst side of UGP title run I've like ever seen of anything. But uh, with, with Evil, um, but I. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy for, for Sonata because it's been it's been a long time coming. Uh, the only kind of knock I'd give on something like this, and it's not really, I don't I don't follow the New Japan product closely enough, like year year round, to even really speak on this. But it does feel like they wait a little too long for some people, or sometimes way too long to actually just pull the trigger. Like I remember people having a demand for Sonata to do this like four years ago. You know, 2000, yeah, 2019, like he faced Okada in the finals of the New Japan Cup. And I think I misspoke earlier, my fault. Uh, but he faced Okada in the finals of the New Japan Cup. I thought he should have won that and then gone on to win the title. He felt very red hot at the time. And I thought that should have been the time that he ended up finally getting the, the victory over Okada. And then it didn't happen. And then he kind of toiled for a little bit. Again, they went with Evil uh, a year later. And Sonata was just kind of, there and now they finally go with him and it's good to see he had to overcome the adversity i guess yeah yeah i guess just a long a long time of adversity four year of adversity yeah. for some well and then like the whole career up to that point to like even get that over i mean he's been around a long time i remember sonata back in tna like forever ago is like when he was on his excursion um but yeah, I, but yeah, I'm happy for Sonata. I, it, it, I'm glad. And it was good. He got the win over Okada. Like that really cements him and like puts a stamp on it. Like he didn't just beat anybody. He beat arguably the best champion they've ever had in Okada to win the belt. And, uh, yeah. So I, I, I brought that up as my spotlight today, really just to shout out Sonata and be able to say like, he actually did it. Um, it's been a long time coming. He's got, he's got a lot of talent. He has for a long time. Um, and he should, this should have happened year after year after year, but they finally went with him, which is, it's really good to see. And I'm sure there's a lot of longtime new Japan fans that are really happy to see him get rewarded finally for this. So for sure. Yeah. And it is good to see. And there's already built in stories. He's going to face Hiromo at, at the next event. I imagine they're going to run him and Tetsuya Naito here very shortly. That's an easy, easy match to, to sell. You know, they got the G1 coming up in a few months in the summer. So I think Sonata, I don't think he'll make it to Wrestle Kingdom as the champion. I think he'll lose before then, but he should enjoy a nice few months of uh, of being the champion. Again, you got the Hiroma match, you got the Naito match, you got the G1, and then he'll probably lose it after the G1 would, would be my guess uh, on things. But still, good to see Sonata get his moment. Jensen, my other spotlight is guy who won the title a couple weeks ago during WrestleMania week, but you know we had, we had a lot to talk about over over the past uh, week with Cody and everything, but Katsuya, uh, Katsuya Shibata, sorry, I can't even say it, uh, won the ROH Pier title at Supercard of Honor, defeating Wheeler Yuta. He's defended it against Christopher Daniels. He's just teaming with, uh, he's teaming with Alex Coughlin on Honor Club. Shibata is just like wrestling normally in the United States when it looked like this man was never going to wrestle again uh, a few years ago after he had to retire and they had to remove his brain uh, during operation. Like, it's kind of crazy to just see him just here's Shibata just doing an ROH run, winning the ROH pure title. It, it it is strange how this has worked out. You're very right. Cause like even when he came back and wrestled Orange Cassidy and stuff, it was like it was awesome, but it was just seemed just so random. Because for people who don't know, kind of what Jeremy's alluding to, 
back when Shibata had these like bad brain injuries and they had to he had to retire, he was on the trajectory of probably being one of the next guys up to be the IWGP heavyweight champion. Um, and he was like in some major feuds at that time. And he had some really some bangers with guys like uh, Tommy or Ishii and like a lot of like the upper card guys at the time too. And it really, saw, it really seemed like he was about to really break through and be like, I, should, I say breakthrough. He's been around for a very long time, but I, it felt like they were going to finally like kind of go all the way with him back then around the time he got hurt. And the fact that he's, that he's back, but it's in ring of honor. It's, it's just, it's just strange. Like, it's awesome, though. It's worked out great for him, and the pure title thing is perfect for him. So, like, but it's, uh, but it is strange because you would think that if he was coming back, that like New Japan would have dibs on him and he'd be doing like this big New Japan return and stuff. But instead, we're just getting kind of like ra- this random ROH run. But I'm here for it. I mean, good for Shibata. He's, he's one of my favorite talents ever out of New Japan. Um, and, uh, I love that he still just rocks like the black trunks, black boots, and just like, lets all his wrestling. He's the wrestler, like his wrestling the wrestler, you know, yeah. does all, does all the talking for him. And he's fantastic at what he does. So yeah, huge shout out to, to Shibata. It's, he said that at the, at the ROH press conference that like the crowd in Japan, because they're still kind of limited, like he doesn't want to like fully do all of that. I don't know if that's the, the full reason of thing. Cause I know they've been welcoming back crowds and they're still running some big shows over there that it feels like he could be part of, but that, that's the strange part to me is like, yeah, he's not just doing like one-off special matches in new Japan, which it seemed like would be right up. Like they set up the Kenta thing a few years ago. It's like, Oh, is Shibata going to return? And then he didn't return. Then he did the exhibition match with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. And whatnot. And yeah, it just seemed like, yo, we'd have these big matches in Japan. It's like, no, he's just going to wrestle in ROH taping in Rhode Island, just team with Coughlin. And, you know, I, he's been part of the New Japan Strong Dojo and all that stuff and teaching these guys. So I, I know he wants to, like, get back and things like that. It just seems so so random that he's just – he is a legend in the sport, and he came back from something that's very serious. No one thought he was going to wrestle again. You're just like, yeah, I'm just going to work a – you know, work the work the Largo loop here for ROH. Like, sure, yeah. sure, Shibata. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. Uh, exactly. Yeah, watch watch ROH. Uh, Kate was on earlier. Her and Righteous Righteous, they did the ROH uh, review show. Watch that, everybody. All right, here we go. Indie Spotlight. I want to give a big motherfucking shout-out. Big shout-out to our boss, Sean Rossap, who beat up Shaz McKenzie. That's it. Charles McKenzie, I can't wait to see Charles McKenzie kick his ass. That's the spotlight. For those of you who missed it, there is video that has surfaced of Sean Ross Sapp attacking Charles McKenzie at um what was the technical name? Black of the Label show? Pro. Was Black it a Black Label Pro, Pro show? Yeah. But it was not like an expo. It was yeah. like a um, so the, but, te- yeah. but I had a at a BLP show. Shout out Mikey Blanton and those guys over there. They they have a great product. Um I uh until now. What's that? I said until now. Until now, but yeah, I, I saw some polarizing opinions on on the Sean thing. I thought it was pretty entertaining seeing all the the discourse around that. Mm. Um, I know there's something that he was really looking like he was nervous about. I could see him like tweeting about it leading up to it. Um, the pop from the crowd is probably what he was dreading, and that's you know was part of this whole story. He had a really nice impaler DDT. I'll say that really nice impaler DDT. It was one of my favorite, one of my favorite moves in wrestling. Um, and he nailed that. I'm not really sure what the setup was. He just like he like opened his jacket and then like he, he, like he said froze. that he was showing her like a fightful shirt. Okay, so because the camera you can't see that. So yeah, that that, yeah. that would actually 
make a lot more sense because what, what I think most people was like, why didn't he just like kick her or something? Cause he like yeah. grabs her by the head, but the move, the move was executed perfectly. So like, I'm going to give credit where it's due. The move was, the move was done perfectly. That's one of my biggest fears is like, cause I've been offered to do some like little things here and there, like in the ring locally as well. Like not, I'm not trained, but just like to be a part of the show and I've turned everything down like, outside of commentary. Cause I'm like, Cause I'm honestly, I'm terrified that like something would happen to me where I would reveal myself and no one would pop. And I'd just be standing there like, Oh no. Like that's like, a, that's a real big fear of mine. Um, so Sean has some serious balls to even get back in the ring to begin with, to be honest, especially because he has a lot on the line being the number one wrestling journalist guy in the world. Like if you like your job is to, to critique pro wrestling. So everyone's going to critique the hell out of you when you get involved. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like there's, you, you gotta have, you got big balls to even put himself out there like that. And I think it's badass, dude. Like, I mean, the, 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 the pop joke was funny. Cause I know Sean le- leaned into that too. He was having people like, like edit, like the road warrior pop into his, into the video and stuff. And it's cool. That he's working with Shaza. Cause she's a great talent. I know that they're friends. So like, uh, yeah, shout out to Sean. Like all jokes aside about like the, the kind of the, the things that might not have gone great about that. He's got, he's got balls to even put himself in a situation like that, given who he is like in this, in this space. So yeah, shout out to Sean. Jokes and bits aside. Um, I'm very happy and very proud of my friend, Sean Ross Sapp for, for doing this. And for, I mean, he made it look good. Like the, the DT yeah. was good. Really? I don't know if they're, they're setting up some type of match. I'm at, I feel like they're going to do something. I don't think this is just like, Hey, let's come in and beat up Shaza. And then that's it. We're never going to do anything after this it feels like there's more at play here well that's uh, so very we'll, much a black label pro type booking match too like i yeah. could see blp definitely running that match yeah yeah so i i feel like there's a little bit more at play don't know but we shall see down the line uh shaza's great she she's a good wrestler and very fun very engaging on on social media things like that just seems like the, the I've, I've interviewed her before and one of the nicest people i've ever talked to so shaza is fantastic and I'm, I'm proud of Sean jokes aside bits aside. Uh, we, we are friends despite what I say about him on the show often. And I know that this meant a lot to him and like, he did a great job and I wish he would ignore all of these idiots who are just going to complain about something to complain about yeah. something because at the end of the day, look, we all, we do this to do, I've said it before, do dumb shit with our friends, right? Like we just want to have fun. It's pro wrestling. It, for the most part, not the most serious thing in the world. Like it's, it's really not. And Sean is out there doing dope shit with his friends and that's all we really want to do. So yep, I, sure. I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm very happy for him. And uh, he still sucks. You should still read the chat and not tell me to do stuff. I've already done two days ago. All right. Uh, the other indie spotlight, Nick Wayne from Nick Wayne versus Swerve Strickland from defy the realist. That's actually going to air tonight uh that that video comes out tonight so maybe by the time you're listening to this everyone go go check that check out that match the big story coming out of that though is nick wayne won he won the defy world championship and then his first aew match was booked for july a couple days after his 18th birthday when he can officially wrestle for aew he's going to wrestle swerve strickland in his first aew match jensen i know you're excited about it we've been big fans of nick wayne and you know, he's getting swerve in his first match. You know, that's going to be a great match. Yeah. I mean, and they're obviously, they're both from the same area out there on the West coast. They're both really linked to defy wrestling. You know, swerve really made a big name for himself out there over years. Um, and Nick Wayne's been one of their top guys for a while now too. I mean, 
Nick's still only 17, 18, or about to be 18, where whatever he's like right at right now. But he's been he's a young veteran already. He's been around for years. Um, yeah, super talented. Uh, we, we've talked about Nick Wayne plenty of times on here on this show. I talk about him almost every weekend on the weekend or over on Fightful Select. But um, yeah, it's badass that they're gonna have a defy title match on AEW television. I don't think it's for the Defy title. I don't think it's for the title. Well, yeah. regardless, the fact that that's even happening on national television, like that, that that's really, really cool. Um, title or not, like that, that's a really badass uh, way to introduce Nick Wayne. Because we've seen him on AEW TV, but it's really been more of like a guy in the crowd type of thing. Like, you know, he's going to be a big deal. I think he's wrestled some like dark matches and stuff for them, but not like AEW dark, but like before they actually air. I don't think, he, I don't think they've aired any of his actual wrestling yet. No. Um. So... Um, and then also just because I um, I got to log into the shoot job here in just a second. This is a good tie-in, but I also wanted to give a, a congratulations to Billy Starks, of course, because she's in the a similar situation to what Nick Wayne is in, where Nick you know signed to AEW. Um, he's been signed for a while, and he's going to be making his debut soon. Um, you know, Tony Schiavone recently mentioned that Billy Starks has signed to AEW, and uh, that's great for her. I know that that's I mean. I've, I've said for years that I think Billy Starks and Nick Wayne are going to be the two biggest stars in all of wrestling. And it'll happen sooner rather than later. It'll happen like in the early twenties and because they're both, you know, 18 or whatever. Billy, right Billy are already there. That match against Jade. Was yeah. It's great. Maybe Jade's best match. Like, Oh no, know. I agree. I already think that Billy's one of the best, like independent wrestlers in the world, just like regardless. And she's going to be one of the best mainstream wrestlers very soon. But we'll just, you know, so it's, yeah, the match with Jade was awesome. One of Jade, Jade's best matches. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is, it's exciting. It's exciting to know that not only are they, these these kids signing with these companies so young, but, like, there's plans for them. Like, you're not going to sit there and just not do anything with, with them. Like, the talent's there. Go, you know, go with them. And a big part of when you sign people like this, and I said it a lot with Marco Stunt. I, I said it a lot with uh, Conan. Actually, talked about with Rey Mysterio during his his Hall of Fame speech. I've said this a lot. If you can get people that can connect with kids, like if a kid sees Billy Starks and you're like, he's like, he's in high school. Like a kid sees Nick Wayne, he's in high school. Like a kid sees Rey Mysterio, like you've got a mask on. Like he thinks it's a little kid. You see someone like Marco Stunt, like you think it's a little kid. Uh, and, uh, an elementary school kid can see Marco Stunt and actually think like because look at my friend wrestling people on TV. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, I think there's a lot of opportunity there for like marketing for, for big pushes. And I think that, so I think that like Billy, Billy Starks and Nick Wayne are going to be just massive, massive, massive stars. And it's going to happen really fast. Cause I don't think they're going to sit there and wait. Like they're going to like the talents there. Just, just push them now. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome to see. I very much look forward to Nick Wayne and, and Swerve in AEW. And I look forward to watching the Defy the Realist and seeing how that match plays out. Because uh, it looked like it was a bloody affair as yes. well. And Swerve, yes. Swerve's been, Swerve was great last night against Darby. And he's he's an absolute star. I kind of wish they'd do. I'm glad he's with uh, Mogul Embassy now. He's, he's no longer with the other two, which didn't seem to always fit. So I really like that. Jensen, I know you got to run. Go ahead and uh, plug everything you got to plug. Yes, uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Fight Talk underscore. Uh, use code Fight Talk on IWTV and subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. New Weekender podcast um, that'll be dropping on Sunday. Talk the world of independent wrestling. Got a lot of spoilers and stuff to talk about that I didn't talk about last week because the collective review is up. So if you want to listen to the collective review, I break down every show from the collective. 
and also had Caden on to give me um, their experience being live at the collective as well. So uh, check that out over at FightfulSelect.com. Good to see everyone in the chat today. Good to see you, Jeremy. And um, I'm going to go log in the shoot job. You guys have a good one. Enjoy this interview from Tom Talks Rubbish. Yes. All right. Thank you, Jensen. Appreciate it as always. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right, everybody. We are going to get into our interview with Tom Talks Rubbish. Uh, you can go to his YouTube channel. Check out the link in the description below. Just click on that. Go support Tom. He does great work. Does a lot of a lot of interviews with a lot of wrestling media personalities. I've been on there before. Steven Jensen's been on them before. Sean Ross Sapp is going to be on there today or tomorrow. I believe it's tomorrow is when that interview drops. So Tom is a great dude. Very one of the most positive people you'll find in this space. Uh, and, and that counts for a lot as well. One of the nicest people you'll find in this space as well. So big shout out to Tom uh, for him doing this interview. And let's waste no more time. In the Creator Spotlight, it is Tom Talks Rubbish. Welcome back, everyone, to the Creator Spotlight here on the Spotlight. I'm still Jeremy Lambert. That is still Steven Jensen. And today we are joined from Tom Talks Rubbish. It is the man himself, Tom Talks Rubbish. Tom, how you doing, buddy? I'm really excited to be here, guys. Thank you for this opportunity. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. And we'll, we'll just go ahead and get started uh, with the first question here. And that is, how did you get started when it comes to interviewing wrestling media personalities on your channel? So to go back a little bit further, my channel sort of started during the lockdown period of the pandemic, right? So I basically... talking rubbish do you know what i mean yeah for sure and then and... sorry no go ahead and then basically i started by interviewing people in my life that were affected by the pandemic like carers doctors etc and then one night i basically stuck up this video being like if the universe worked out these are 10 people that it'd be very cool to interview and Adam Pachiti from Cultaholic saw it somehow. And at that yes. time, I wasn't very good with Zoom or anything like that. So he basically told me, look, if you want to do it, I will do the Zoom call for you, like set it all up, help you, etc., And I'll edit it for you. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Because this was a hero of mine at the time. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Sure. And I and I know um, that you you have regrets about that interview. I know because I know mm -hmm. you, you felt like you were a fanboy about that. You want to elaborate about that a little bit? I thought that was interesting because I heard I've heard you talk about that before. So yeah, you are one hundred percent correct. I talked over him a lot during that interview. I was basically asking fanboy questions, and that interview didn't really have any structure. Do you know what I mean? Right, and you said you wish you'd had more time to prepare. Time to prepare, which I, which I, um, I understand that too. Like when I first started interviewing people um, years back, I was the same kind of way, where I was just really excited to be able to talk to people I was interested in, but mm -hmm. I maybe didn't do the best job preparing. So I thought it was interesting, um, how you how you talked about that. You talked about that, and that's interesting because the night Adam sent me the DM, he gave me two uh, opportunities to do interview if that makes sense he gave me the night why am i not in focus no he you're good there's actually the connection is actually great yeah we hear you loud and clear so i'm just not in the box for whatever reason which is <laughs> but anyway 
uh, he gave me two nights that he could have done, which is like the night I put the video up or a couple of days later. And in hindsight, I wish I'd gone, I'm going to take the couple of days later to do some research. Do you know what I mean? Sure. It was that because you it felt, you felt it was a big opportunity though. So it was like, I, he said he's free, like, let's just, let's do it. It's probably, it's kind of the approach that you took. It is, it, that's always how I did it at first myself as well. So. Mm. So can you repeat that? Sorry. My connection. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. So ba basically you think that you, um, instead of waiting a couple of days, um, did you, did you do it because it was like, listen, he said he could do this day. I want, like he said, he's going to do it. I just want to do it. Like, so it was, you feel like you rushed it, but like, I felt, I felt I was, I was the same way when I first started getting interviews, it was, it was almost like, I didn't want like the opportunity to pass. So it was like, you said you could do it this day. I'm going to do it this day. Exactly that, Stephen. You've met, you've hit nail on the head there. So when it comes to your, your preparation style now, like what, what all goes into, okay, I know I'm interviewing this person. What do you do to prepare for these interviews now? For example, an interview that I recorded this past week that will go out in a few months is with Larson from Guiding in Rock. Uh, so I will watch a lot of their live streams. I will watch previous interviews that they've done to hopefully not repeat the questions and stuff like that. And I'm really interested in how did content creators become a fan of the content they're creating? So I will look up their fandom if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, who are some people that you might study when it comes to, to the interviews? Cause you interview a lot of interviewers, but who, if you're not interviewing somebody who is a, a people that you might like to study of, like, I like their style of interview. I feel like everyone says this answer and I don't just want to say it just cause I'm on fightful, but I love Sean's style of interviewing. I love uh, he's Chris terrible. He's great, man. <laughs> I love Chris Van Vliet's style of interviewing. I love someone called he's actually a buddy of mine jacob kelly he runs a site called the my social life podcast where basically he will talk to creators about how to grow on social media and stuff like that i love his interview style so i'll study him and just people like that really yeah that's a good list that's a good list of people um you guys if i know a guest has done the spotlight interview i will find that <laughs> don't uh, don't study us that. yeah don't yeah, can, don't do that you put us over that's fine we'll, we'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll accept i'll accept that praise um i uh i know also so you as a wrestling fan i thought i thought it was interesting to find out that you got into if i unless i am mistaken uh, you got into wrestling it was wrestlemania 22 and it was mainly the edge versus mcfoley street fight that sucked you in as a fan and you you credit that really to, for like making you a, a fan right off the bat um what are your thoughts i guess kind of let people know about you know kind of that experience because I've, I've i've seen your video about you explaining this but for people who may not have seen that and then also what's it like watching edge in like real time like that he's still active and you, you know watching mm. it recently is you know wrestlemania so i was a fan when edge was wrestling so that match still means a lot to me do you know what i mean but to see him come back now it's like we never thought this was going to happen. So it's like, it's almost like a, it, the way I'll describe it is it'd be like for football fans, if it'd be like for basketball fans, I suppose, if LeBron could go up against Michael Jordan, do you know what I mean? Sure. We're starting to see all the dream matches and stuff 
that he never got. So that's really cool. And I'm sorry, but can you repeat the beginning of that question, Stephen? Yeah, just to elaborate for people who might not know just about um, because like I mean I could explain myself a little bit based on what I know about you. Um, from my understanding, you started renting or essentially you had like a blockbuster rental, a video rental store um in, where you were living at the time and that's you, you that's where you started um be, becoming a fan of that so you started you started by uh by renting the uh, i'm assuming dvds because of the time so it'd be dvds that you were renting of wrestlemania uh, 22 i say this because i got hooked big time because of vhs tapes like because i'm you know me and jeremy are older but um mm. is that accurate it was you you were rent you, you you had a blockbuster where you lived and that that's kind of what started it all uh so it wasn't where i lived i spent a lot of time in the hospital when i was a kid so we had a blockbuster in the hospital right right i would basically get the tapes and take them back to my room and there were a few vhs's actually just to correct you they i said this on another interview i did recently with the between two beards crew uh of love wrestling i was like i think my generation is the generation where vhs died do you know what i mean yeah yeah so i do remember vhs but it's not like i remember it amazingly if that makes sense so i still had a few and yeah i would just get i i definitely didn't watch pay-per-views in chronological order or things like that i'd just get oh they've got wrestlemania 24 in order they've got wrestlemania 19 they've got survivor series 2001 do you know what i mean Yes, absolutely. I, I, I was the same, right? I was the same kind of way with the VHS tapes for what. So I was able to watch, you know, WCW and stuff in like the mid '90s when I was watching it. But I to to find out what was happening before that, and also to keep up with the pay per views because I couldn't watch pay per view either. It was just kind of whatever you got, whenever you got it, you just kind of had to piece together when each thing was happening, uh, kind of in hindsight. Um, and then also, so then you, you had like a gap where you couldn't watch uh monday night wrestling right and then you came back into it in like around 2010 2011 and you've been like all in since then really it seems like Mm. so yeah about 2011 2012 i went to for my medical needs i went to a school that basically the way i'll describe it it was boarding school but you weren't there like 24 hours a day you were there two days a week to basically give your parents a break from your medical needs and to give you some independent living skills. And there was this guy on what was known as the independent flat called Brandon. And he basically had a WrestleMania in his bag because we could bring DVDs. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So you couldn't watch like cable. Is that, is that accurate? Like you didn't have television you could watch, but you had DVDs that you could bring. So that's partially accurate because Brandon had an iPad and we would watch guy sports at the time because that's what aired wb we would watch the previous so we would go to residential on the saturday right no sorry on the wednesday and we would catch up with the previous monday night raw etc i see okay so now following wrestling now who are some of your favorites now that you like to keep up with this is going to make me sound like an AEW fanboy but it is AEW. <laughs> exclusively because in the uk that's the thing i have the most access to you know what i mean it's just a lot easier to watch than say wwe because wwe is still on cable and AEW is on 
uh, an app, if that makes sense. Right. I know AEW is very accessible over there and they do a bigger number than WWE uh, for a lot of that stuff. So as far as, so AEW, uh, who are some of your, your favorites when it comes to uh, individual wrestlers? Brian Danielson, MJF. The GOAT. The GOAT. Yeah. I love Brian Danielson. Uh, MJF. Uh, I love Darby. I, I love this Four Pillars storyline. I'll say that. I'm loving this. Uh, Jericho. Like, I feel like I'm just going to list the AEW roster. That's but, cool. Uh, That's great. A lot of great Cody, But I do love people in WWE. Like, I love Roman. I love Cody. I love people like that. And yeah. I'm just a wrestling fan. So I'm one of those people that's like, send me this clip. I think this is cool. People will send me stuff and it's like, I'm not loyal to one company, but that doesn't mean I hate another company. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. And uh, I, that's a kind of a good uh, segue to ask this question. Very important and very uh, relevant and topical. What are your thoughts on Cody Rhodes losing in the WrestleMania main event and then getting beat down by Brock Lesnar? Or should he have just won the title at WrestleMania? I'd have been fine if he won the title, but then got beat down by Brock. I was like, yeah, yeah. I didn't see the point in Cody losing. I, I just didn't get that. Because yeah. it's like, Roman, I get they want him to break. Is it Bruno's record? You guys, it's, it'll, it'll it'll never break Bruno's record. Yeah. It would take till like twenty thirty to break Bruno's record. But yeah. but but no, they want to break a thousand days. That seems like the big exactly. thing. Exactly, I get they yeah. want him to do that, but it's like, especially the way he won, which was basically the same as his clash at the castle victory. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly the same. It's like Roman's developed into a formula now, and it's like, I'm bored, and I'm <laughs> going to be totally honest with you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely know what you mean, Tom. I agree a thousand percent. You're preaching to, to the choir when it comes to Steven Jensen there yeah, and absolutely. Cody Rhodes should should have won. He should have won. I, I, like I said, I was fine. If they did everything that they did, just Cody won at WrestleMania, then Brock beats him up, that's that's complete that's a completely different thing. Um mm, now agree. we're yeah, yeah. This yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know you laid it out, man. That's exactly um, so yeah, good answer, Tom. I think that was actually a great answer to that question. <laughs> Who do you think should be the one to defeat Roman Reigns then, Tom? Cody. I'm yeah, sorry. Right? It should have been Cody. <laughs> I will never say it anyone else because it should have been Cody. The story was there and I'm going to get very frustrated now. <laughs> I, I think that there's a chance because I saw on so this will be coming out on Thursday. So by the time that this airs, Cody will have already talked on Raw. So this will either be me predicting the future or you know totally wrong. But if that dude comes out there and says the next time he challenges for the title, if he doesn't win, he can never challenge for the title again. And it's like the same thing. Please as the, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Please. No, I know. I'm so uh, I'm so scared. Anyways. <laughs> Yes, agreed. Agreed. Um, what was your favorite match from WrestleMania this year? Oh, this is gonna sound again like an obvious answer, but Gunter versus Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Great Hands match, down. yeah, great match. It was a fantastic match. Tom, are you excited? I know you were looking to potentially go to, to Wembley Stadium, so two part question here. Uh, for the AEW show. One, uh, are you excited to, to 
potentially go there and two like have you have you been to a live wrestling event what was your experience like there so i went i've been to my local wrestling like i i'm gonna try and do this but i'm wearing a wrestleforce t-shirt which is basically my local promotion if that makes sense so i've been yeah. to a lot of local wrestling and i really want to i've put this on twitter so many times but i'm like one way or another i'm gonna be at that wembley stadium show and also one way or another i want to be in philly next year mm. i had a lot of fomo this year especially <laughs> i've become more involved in the wrestling media do you know what i mean sure yeah for sure I, yeah yeah that would be a, a heck of a trip for you to come out here to philly um that'd be awesome that'd be a lot of fun i I'm really glad I didn't go all the way out to California to be disappointed. That would have been really rough with the Cody thing. But um, so a question about uh, just uh, speaking of like interviewing people and, and that kind of stuff and being kind of part of uh, more part of WrestleMania. What's it been like working with uh, Cassidy Haynes over there at Body Slam? Oh, Cassidy Haynes is the boy. Like Cassidy is not only... Uh, the an amazing content creator but he's one of my closest friends i'll say that in wrestling media he is one of my closest friends even if we don't talk about wrestling media every day we talk just a, a you okay bud text do you know what i mean that's good he's a good guy i room i room i roomed with cass during the weekend of jeremy's wedding so we're yeah good people um, cass Cass is one of the best people and I, I want to be mean to him because that's the bit, but speaking honestly, yes, Cass is absolutely with the, the absolute best of us in, in wrestling media. And like, if we could all be more like Cass, his place would be a lot better. I agree. And I always feel quite honored to work with Cass because at the end of the day, I just did what I was doing, which was an interview with him. I'm going to tell the story of how WrestleWatch came about, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, basically, I just did an interview with him, and I then said to him, I then got a DM the day the interview went live, or a couple of days later. Sorry, Cass, if I'm misremembering. Love you, buddy. But, like, he basically sent me a DM being like, try and pitch a show for Body Slam, because I'd love to work with you more. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and then, so, uh, you know, how... So how did the Wrestle Watch come along? Obviously, that was the show you pitched, but did you have other ideas and what, why'd you settle on Wrestle Watch? No, I didn't have any other ideas at that time, Jeremy. <laughs> and it was basically, I don't have any friends to watch wrestling with. Relatable. That's By the way, a lot of people that are watching this that are in the chat right now, we all know how that feels. It's a very relatable sentiment not having friends to watch wrestling with. So it is cool. And that's a big part of like why I like doing these kind of shows. Um, and why uh, I think a lot of people get into like talking about wrestling, uh, whether it's like wrestling media or just like reviewing stuff or YouTube or Twitch or whatever. It's like just so you have other wrestling fans to talk to like for real versus like even Twitter is, is weird because stuff gets so lost in translation and the tone yeah. and stuff. Like you only have so many words you can text, you know. So you know, that's cool. That's cool that you had that. And then uh, that you got to do it with a guy like Cass over there at Body Slam. Like, that's uh, that's good stuff. Oh. I will say this because the podcast has been on hiatus for a little while just due to my personal life and Cass's personal life because I don't know how much he wants me to say. But I'm sure you guys know how it is when you try and do a podcast with Sean. Where Cass runs a site, it's like 
it's hard to pin each other down. Do you know what I mean? Especially with the time difference. Yeah, absolutely. That time difference is is brutal. Um, Cast UK doesn't sleep. Cast that's doesn't true. Cast doesn't sleep. That is <laughs> no, true. that's true. But this is the thing with my medical needs. We were starting to do the podcast sometimes at like midnight my time, and it's like this was towards. I haven't told this story before, so you guys are getting a bit of an exclusive. This was okay. towards sort of, I don't want to say a bad period in my YouTube channel, but like the period where I was obsessed with getting 100 interviews, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to do 100 interviews in a year, and that was it. Whether it be, whether they were good interviews, bad interviews, something in between. I just wanted to say I did 100 interviews in a year. Looking back, not the best strategy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is it like you're trying to like force it? Yeah, I was trying to force it, and I would do an interview, and then they'd go up the day off, which was killing me because I used to have this thing in my head, right, where it was like, "This has got to be edited before I go to bed." So I'd record with the person at like nine, ten o'clock my time, and then be up till three in the morning editing. And yeah, I, that- sorry, Jeremy. I was going to say, yeah, in the editing, I mean, what a lot of people don't know is that takes more time than the interview because the interview just goes by and the editing is like, all right, I got to insert this here. I got to mess with this here. Like that's the time consuming part of a lot of this. Mm. And then I just sort of had this moment where I was like, this isn't healthy. And it was actually my girlfriend that was like, we haven't done a FaceTime call in over four months at that time, I think. Like, we used to FaceTime in the evenings. Do you know what I mean? Because we don't live together. Right. And she was like, we haven't done one in for like four months. And, and that's because I was doing interviews every evening and then editing straight away. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Why am I doing it like this? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, too much too much stress for like, there's a balance there between being like ambitious and wanting to like do good work, but also like... uh like burning out and and like you know there's definitely there's definitely like a line there that i definitely i, I feel like i understand what you're saying with like like putting yourself in a, into a quarter almost of like i have to do this when in reality like you actually don't have to do this like you you don't like it's gonna be okay if you don't like just mm-hmm. keep having fun with it you know is that kind of what, what it was like 100 percent, and that was the reason the podcast went on hiatus was also that and then a couple of things in our personal lives where it was like, me and Cash just need to find a time that works for both of us. And we're slowly coming around to that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, another guy I wanted to ask you about real quick um, before I forget is Anthony. Um, I can't remember. I think he introduced me to you or vice versa. I've known you guys for about the same amount of time, but uh, Anthony from uh, Anthony Talk. Um, what? Oh, the boy. I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. He's he's what, what a great guy, honestly. I mean, I've, I've been on his show multiple times another one where it's tough with the time difference but um if you'd like to talk about anthony a little bit um give him a little bit of a shout out because i you know you, i i know that you guys have um, a relationship as well mm. so again anthony is another guy that has the same medical needs as me cerebral palsy i don't know if you guys know what that is absolutely yeah if you but if you want to talk about it like feel free like if you know basically my legs work but like they don't, this, I'm not, the way I'll describe it is my legs are constantly numb and like I'm in a wheelchair. I can walk a bit, I can not. 
So anyway, back to the original thing. Anthony saw my uh, Adam Petiti interview and was like, if you want to have me on your channel, I'll do what uh, Anthony, what Adam did for you. I was like, yeah, cool, man. And ever since then, me and him have just had a relationship, very similar to my cast relationship, which is we check in every day. It's like, are you doing okay, dude? And st- do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm. So what do you like to do when he, you mentioned trying to do a hundred interviews and the thing with, with this job is it's so much content creation and it's very easy to get burnt out. And if you're not having fun with this stuff, then it, it just becomes a job and that's no fun because it's covering wrestling, right? Like it's talking to friends about wrestling, things like that. Like it's supposed to be fun. So like when you feel you're reaching that point, what are some things you like to do? If I did this to you guys, <laughs> you'll know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> I love my boxing. I don't know if you guys have seen my videos. I have. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate you when you, when you tag me in those too, by the way. It's, uh, it's motivating. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So my one of my carers is an absolute guy. His name is Neil. If he watches this, big love to you, Neil. Like, uh, and he basically started to treat me that like, you don't have to hang out with your friends all the time. We can go do cool things like boxing and stuff. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, we go to this, I say this with love, if anyone from my boxing career is watching this, but like, it's, it's a rundown gym, but it's in the best possible way. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it's like, you know how when you go to a normal gym, you can't really smell anyone sweating unless you're really close to them. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you go into this one, it's like, yep, we're in the right place because it's, <laughs> uh, it's like, because they haven't, it's like an old school gym. It's like every, like we've had to stop buying our own equipment because everything's ripped and stuff. And like, you can tell people have been busting their humps, if you know what I mean. So boxing's my main outlet. My little part-time job is my main outlet at the cinema. Mm. What do you do at the cinema? So basically I'm the guy, I don't know how it works in the States, but before you go in, you have to give your tickets to someone so they can check the date, they can ID you, and stuff like that. I'm that guy. Sure. Gotcha. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we have those um, people in the States. Have you guys been busy for the Mario movie? Yep. So <laughs> today, at time of recording, right? I worked today. And in total, we had, and I also worked Wednesday. We had... In total, my boss told me this. We've had 750 people since the Mario movie came out on Wednesday. Wow. It's a, it's a big hit. Have you seen it? Nope, but I'm going Monday, so no spoilies, please. Yeah, no nice. spoilers okay. either for I, me. I, yeah, I I'm, going, I'm going not this week, but next week. I have like Monday the 24th off of work. Um, that's like a big weekend um, where I got GCW on Friday, Battle Slam on Sunday, and I'm just going to take that day off Monday to go see the Mario movie. So looking forward I'm looking ta- Because part of an employee perk, I suppose, is we get, in to go, we get to go in for nothing. Like, Yes, nice. We just, we just have to flash a card and be like, dude, can you give me a ticket, please? Do you know what I mean? Yes. What about popcorn and stuff? Any, any deal skis there? There's one thing I will say. Shout out to anyone from my cinema if they're watching this. It's so expensive, the concessions, right? The popcorn and stuff that you go to somewhere else, right? 
before you go in there. Everyone does yeah. it. Like we say this, but sure. we get like forty percent off. Okay, that's not that's bad. Good. Yeah. Me and my sister have both said we're gonna go watch it because she's already seen it, but she's like, "Yeah, I want to see it again. Let's go." Oh, nice. How old is she? She's eighteen, and I'm twenty-four. So cool. She's just Very slowly cool. started. So the way I phrased it to her was, "I remember Mario. She start sort of remembers. Do you know what I mean?" Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And then we and Jeremy were playing it on you know the Super Nintendo. So I mean, I had that. And then the N64. <laughs> Yeah, shout absolutely. out to my stepdad who's in the other room. That was like the first thing he ever gave me was his Nintendo 64. Nice. Yes. And I played still that. The... I loved that, by the way. Yeah, still one of my favorite games of all time, Super Mario 64. Still I totally agree. holds up. I agree. You can play those games on like the Switch now. They have like the old uh, the like retro thing on the Switch. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, yeah. I've, I've still got a working <laughs> N64 like in my living room. Like I can just play oh. Super Mario 64 right now on like, like on the old on the old setup. So there sure. you go. I haven't <laughs> played it for ages, but I want to play it again before Monday if I can. Yes. Yes. You guys, you guys will enjoy the movie. I, no spoilers. I'll just say you guys will enjoy. The I'm movie very excited because. That's one thing that's cool about the cinema. You do get a gauge of when people come out of the film, you do get a gauge of, yeah, that was terrible. That was really yeah. annoying. <laughs> and the, we've seen nothing but smiling faces when people have come out. Good, good. Yeah, my, my kids really enjoyed it when, when we went to go see it the other day. So you guys will, you guys will have a good time good time with it. Uh, Tom, who are some of the people that you would like to interview that you have not interviewed yet? So... This is sort of going to lead to the reason that I asked to be on here right now when we was discussing it. I'm sure Stephen knows because we've discussed it, and I'm sure Jeremy knows, right? I'm not told anything. Nobody tells me anything around here. What interview's going up this week is an interview with the great man that is Sean Rossap. Yep, it's going to be coming out. Like, you're going to hear this interview on Thursday, and then it comes out on, what, the 15th, yours? The 14th. The 14th. So Friday. Okay, oh, so literally the day after, so tomorrow, if you guys see this tomorrow, you can watch this interview Tom's talking about. Mm -hmm. So that was a big bucket list one. And that was one that I never thought was going to happen because big love to Sean, because he's always been very good to me with the boxing, with any time I've done work with you guys. Like, he's been nothing but cool. Do you know what I mean? But he, for whatever reason, you guys might know the reason. I don't, and that's cool. I like it to remain a mystery. He said, he put a tweet out a few months ago just being like, until further notice, I'm not doing any shows unless it's outside, unless it's fightful, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I remember that tweet. I, yeah. So, and then as I did 100 interviews last year, I was getting close to 150 episodes overall. And I just put out this. I just shot my shot and said, I know you've said you're not doing any interviews, but I'm approaching 150 episodes. Would love to, for you to be my 150 guest. Do you know what I mean? Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. And shockingly, well, not shockingly, but I think he said, he said, yeah. And you guys can correct me on this. I think Sean respected me because he'd seen some of my work and bits like that. But also, you good people have been on my channel and... Correct me if I'm wrong on this. But I never said to you during the interview, 
hey, if you want to put a good word in with Sean, that'd be cool. Do you know what I mean? Right, no, you never right. asked me yeah. to like try to get him for an interview or anything like that. So I think Sean respected that. And like that, he was a bucket list one. Chris Van Vliet is a bucket list one. That'd be awesome because I like we was talking about at the beginning of this conversation. He's an inspiration to me as an interviewer. Tom Campbell from Cultaholic is a big one because he's another inspiration. Uh, Simon Miller is another big one. I think that'd be cool. Uh, they're sort of the main three at the moment. I, I don't want to blow up Sean's spot here too much. Uh, I know when he he tweeted that, it was a thing of just like, he had been doing so many other just like projects that were non-fightful adjacent. And I think he was just burned out on a lot because he was saying yes to like everything. Yeah, and so we yeah. said, yeah. And so he said that, and then he just became a little bit more selective. And obviously he has people that he has a lot of respect for like yourself. And so he didn't have an issue doing that interview. So I think when he put that out there, it was a thing of like, he was saying yes to anything and everything. And he was just, he was burning himself out with everything else he has going on. And so he was Which, like, all right, please, I got to slow down a little bit. Which at the start of this conversation we talked about, because I went through that a lot, right? So I yeah. fully respected that. and I, But I also grew up in a household. We have a catchphrase in my house, and we have it on our front door, which is, if you don't ask, you don't get, right? For sure. So I basically threw it out there and was like, if you want to, great. But if you don't, no hard feelings. Yeah. yeah. The worst you're going to do is just block you. I mean... <laughs> I was really hoping that wasn't going to happen, Stephen. I know. I'm. I'm kidding. I'm totally uh, he, kidding. I'm he totally only kidding. blocks people if they're if they're jerks and stuff. Tom is the furthest thing from that. So. That was the that was the joke. <laughs> that was a, everyone 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 knows that that Sean blocks people. That's the only reason I. I I'm going to obviously he's not going to he's, he's not he's not going to block a friend of ours who's asking if he wants to do an interview. That's much different, obviously. So I just, no, that, that's cool. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. If it happened, great. But if it didn't, no hard feelings. I'm going to get you blocked by Sean, Stephen Jensen. That's going to be my next goal. <laughs> I thought you were talking to me then. I was like, no, I Tom, I like you. I like you. I'm not going to get you blocked. I'm going to get Jensen blocked just for the bit. <laughs> Van Vliet would be a good one. Van Vliet is someone that I think everyone who does interviews like has – an amount of respect for because he's interviewed seemingly anyone and everyone. And he's such a good conversationalist as well. And there's a lot to be learned from Chris Van Vliet. Mm. Yeah. And I feel the same with Tom Campbell, if I'm honest, like, cause he did a great show. I haven't seen an episode in a while, but he did a great show called desert Island Graps on the Cultaholic podcast. Maybe. That yes. That's a very good interview series for people who have not checked that out. Mm. And that's one that I'm like, I just want to sit under their learning trees selfishly you know what i mean for sure and get desert island graphs for those who who aren't aware the concept is basically he interviews wrestlers and he says like what are the three matches if you're on a desert island the three matches that like you you would be taking with you and then they talk about the match and how it affects them you know whether they were part of it or whether it was something that they uh that stuck with them as a child anything like that so it's a really great concept that uh that they do over a cultaholic with the desert island grab. So that two good choices there with Van Lee and, and Tom Campbell. Sean Ross. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. He's a wrestler now, from what I've heard. Like he's not yeah, an interviewer. Uh, 
Which is quite funny because when I interviewed him, a segment that we talked about was, will you ever wrestle again? Mm. It's, I mean, he... I, sorry, Jeremy. No, you're fine. Uh, yeah, he got in the ring. He attacked Shaza McKenzie. Friend, friend Shaza McKenzie, fellow Swifty Shaza McKenzie. Now, I don't know if he's going to wrestle again, but he's being a jerk to a Swifty, and I don't appreciate that. Mm. But as I say, uh, that that was one that was like, that was a bucket list. And I'll always be like, I put this quote out recently. I don't know if you guys saw it. It was like, I will always be humble for everything I've got because I know I could always have less. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, I feel so lucky to be in the position I'm in. And it's almost like, I do feel like, I do pinch myself every time I do an interview because it's like, I'm going to wake up soon and it's going to be like, none of this happened and it's still going to be 2021. You're always great about posting uh, inspirational quotes on your your timeline. I don't think people understand just like how much other people sometimes need that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. so I appreciate that, that you do things like that. So that started as, obviously, I have a care company that works for me, right? Due to my medical needs. And that started as a, just a way to keep my friends motivated. Do you know what I mean? Like my friends in the care company, it was like, you know what? I've got friends across the pond now and I've got friends on Twitter that might need some motivation. Do you know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. That was the initial idea. And it was almost like, they make me smile. They might make others smile. Is um, is there anything else that you have uh, like kind of your mind on as far as like the boxing seems to be going really well? Is there anything else that you thought about like maybe that's similar to boxing or another like hobby or anything that you you think you might be able to get into like now that the boxing is going so well? Hmm. I don't know because I I like movies. I like TV. It's like. I don't really have time because sure. I try and go out with my friends every so often. I try and make time for the girlfriend and bits like that. I try and I still consider this a hobby. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And it's yeah. still like this is still fun to me. And this is something that I will fully say. And it's like if this stopped being fun, you guys talked about it, I would just disappear. My Twitter would be deactivated. The last few episodes were there and poof. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean with that. I feel the same way with having the, you know, me and Jeremy joke a lot about stuff on the show and like, um, I'm just on here occasionally. I just do like the week, you know, Thursday mornings and Sunday. And then, you know, whenever, four times a year when, when, uh, the impact pay-per-views are around Degrassi dudes occasionally me and Jeremy have talked about some, maybe some stuff for overbooked, but I feel the same kind of way, dude. Like, um, I can play it as cool as I want to, like on screen or whatever. But a lot of the time, after an interview or like after we talk to a wrestler or something, I'm like, "That's really cool that like thousands of people get to see that we just talk to this guy or this girl or you know we don't discriminate non-binary, whatever. Like, like whoever we get to interview, like I just think it's really cool that uh that like, we have a platform where we can we can use a platform to help kind of get other people's stuff out there too. So like mm. I just I think it's just cool like. With this little bit of power that we have, I feel like we're doing a lot of good with it. So that's um, and I, feel I like agree. Doing the same. And you talked yeah. about that. One of the most interesting conversations I've had recently, which will air in a few months, is I had a good friend of mine on that has nothing to do with the wrestling media, but is a massive wrestling fan. I was really curious to know 
how does he balance his fandom with being at college? How does he balance his fandom with... It's called Wrestling With Real Life. That's what the episode will be called. How does he balance his fandom with real life? And it was like, that was such a cool conversation. Looking forward yeah, to You that. never know. Yeah. yeah. And you know, again, you never know when you talk to these people, like what kind of stories uh, they have to share. So it's always interesting to, to learn about people, whether it, obviously we're wrestling centric, but then you learn about life and everything, which is really fun. And sometimes the most fascinating stuff when it comes to these conversations. Mm, I agree. Tom, two more questions for you. Uh, one, who would win a hypothetical street fight between Cody Rhodes and Eddie Kingston? Hasn't that match technically happened? Yeah, Cody won. Thank you. It wasn't a street fight, though. Yeah. I guess it, it was. was. It, was, it yeah. was a no-DQ match. It was. Sorry, man, but it was a no-DQ match. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for setting the record straight on that. You're the first person to actually say that on the show, by the way. We've asked many guests. First person so thank to be you. wrong about this answer. First person to bring up truths. <laughs> um, I agree. So, Cody, is is that your official answer? Street fight? Eddie Kingston? Cody Rhodes? You got Cody? Mm. Yeah. So, Cody Rhodes won. Because that match happened. I, I, there we go. <laughs> Second question. We'll get you out of here on this. What's the coolest thing in your room, Tom? Yeah, if there's any way to get it. Yeah, the coolest thing in your room. I don't know if, if it's near you, if you get it. Hold or like, I will be two yeah, seconds. Perfect. Okay, no problem. Can't believe Tom is over here using an official AEW match that, to answer this question. Cannot reach. Sorry, cannot reach. Oh, That's okay. Reach. That's okay. Tell us about it. What yeah, it is. tell us about it. I have two cool things. And this is... Shout out to the Inside the Ropes crew, Kenny McIntosh, Jen Louise, and all that crew. Great I got people. some two years, uh, two wrestlers last year, Kurt Angle and William Regal. I have a signed 8x10 by William Regal, and I have a signed, I think it's like a poster from Kurt Angle. I did two amazing trips, one to London and one to Manchester, with my carer that wasn't a wrestling fan. His name is Luke. Shout out to him if he watches this, because he's like a brother. He's like a brother to me. Uh, shout out to him. And, like, I've converted him into a wrestling fan now because of those trips. That's awesome. Nice, nice. Yeah, very, Inside very the Ropes. Cool. Inside the Ropes crew. Kenny McIntosh, one of the nicest people uh, in the sport. So, yes, shout out to to both of them. I wanted to ask you, just because I'm very curious about this real quick before we get out of here. Have all your caregivers always been, like, really supportive of, like, the wrestling fandom like that? Like, the, guy, the last guy you were just talking about? Yeah, because they, awesome. they're one of the people that they're – the thing I'll say about KDRX, they're great people. And it's like they are the people that – they just want – you know how some carers are obviously in it for the money. I'm sure, sure. they've experienced that. No, they are 100% not. And they just want us to pursue our passions. And like, especially with what, I don't want to say us disabled people, quote unquote, but us, especially with the people that had to isolate during the pandemic. Do you know what I mean? Sure. We had two years of basically being told, you can't do this. So now they're like, go and do it. Go have fun. You know what I mean? Yes, that's awesome. Very good. That's great to hear. Yeah, for sure. 
Tom, thank you for joining us today. Let everybody know where they can find you at. Thank you for having me, guys. Like, this has been awesome. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah we appreciate We're, it. Plug, plug, plug all your stuff. Yeah. Put yourself so, over, dude. The good people can find me at Tom Talk Fresh on Twitter. They can find my YouTube channel, Tom Talk Fresh. They can find the WrestleWatch podcast on Bodyslam.net, wherever you get your podcasts, and on the Bodyslam.net YouTube channel. And Jeremy, can I plug this? Will it be out yet? But it should be out. It it should be out by the time everybody listens to this, if you want to plug it. So I I did a pilot show for Overbooked with Rob Wilkins called called Loving Wrestling, which is basically where I will have a guest on, hopefully monthly if the show does well. Right, Jeremy? Yes. Yep. Uh, Basically, because wrestling is a very toxic, negative place, I want to know, sometimes it can be, sometimes it can be great. Uh, I want to know, why does my guest love wrestling? Okay, the, the first episode is up now on Fight Flow Books with Rob Wilkins, so everyone can can go check that out, and there will be monthly episodes where Tom talks to various That's people about... That's one thing about... I would say. My career would not happen without Rob Wilkins, because he has been so good to me. Do you know what I mean? He's a great guy. Yeah, yes. Rob. Rob's awesome. Yeah. Um, he's been and, a guy uh, that's like, you can do this, man. Do you know what I mean? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Rob's that's a great guy. Before we wrap this up, is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. The night I was recording my Sean Ross Sapp interview, I had a small panic attack. No, no. Because I was so nervous, right? And it's the first time I'd been nervous in since I did an interview, probably since the Adam Pacitti one, right? So I basically text Rob and said, look, I might have to text or message Sean and be like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. Like, it's making me too nervous, do you know what I mean? Next thing I know, uh, Rob sends me a Zoom link like, let's talk, let's, let's uh, go over your research, let's calm you down, do you know what I mean? Because you can't, because you've worked too hard for this opportunity. So nothing but love for Rob Wilkins. Nothing but love for you guys. Thank you for having me on, guys. This has been a blast. Yeah, awesome. That's a great story. Very, Rob's a great dude. He is. Definitely a great dude. And um, that's a great story. That's great to know. And also, make sure y'all check out the interview that Tom's talking about. It's available tomorrow. If you're hearing this on Thursday during the spotlight, it's available on Tom's YouTube channel. Check it out. Tom Talks Rubbish. Sean Ross App interview. That's huge. That's huge. Good for you, man. Will there be links to my stuff? Yes, below yes. in the description yep. of the video. Yep. Subscribe Everyone check out. <laughs> yes, subscribe. Everyone check out all the links below. Uh, follow Tom on Twitter. Check out his YouTube channel. Again, the links are in the description. Everybody, Tom, thank you again for joining us here today. Guys, we will be right back here on the spotlight. We are back. Thank you to Tom Talks Rubbish for joining us in the Creator Spotlight. Everyone go check out his YouTube channel. The interview with Sean Rossap will be up tomorrow. And Loving Wrestling will be up on Fightful Overbooked in about 12 minutes. Noon is when that premieres on Fightful Overbooked. So everyone go over to Fightful Overbooked. Check out not only that show, check out all the other shows we have going on over there, including Tag Talk every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern. 
including Newsworthy every Saturday, including Rob and Maggie coexisting every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. We have uh, Tim and I always say Tim's name first. Joel and Kate. Tim's not even part of the show anymore. Joel and Kate at 8 at 8 o'clock on Sunday Eastern. You saw Kate earlier on the show. Making an impromptu run-in. CM Punking all of us. Joel and Kate at 8 Sundays, 8 o'clock Eastern PM time, right? Uh, we have a new episode of Nutram Bread Club with Matt and Kieran up. We have Indeed with Righteous Reg and Mike. And we have a potentially new show next week that maybe we'll be announcing in the next day or two. I don't like saying anything until things are like all the eyes are, eyes are dotted and T's are crossed. Head over to Fightful Overbook, though, everybody. We appreciate love. We appreciate the support. Head over to Fightful.com. Check out all the news we got going on over there. Head over to FightfulSelect.com. Sign up for $5. You get all the news, including the report that Sean put out regarding CM Punk, the report that Sean put out regarding Brian Cage and his status with AEW, the report that Sean puts out every single day regarding all the news that you want in wrestling. $5, FightfulSelect.com. Get it firsthand from the actual source. Not all of these other people not doing a good job aggregating it on their website or on Twitter or misconstruing things. Get the accurate report from the man who beat up Shaza McKenzie. All right, everybody, I'm going to wrap things up. We appreciate you joining us today. Thank you, as always, to Steven Jensen. Follow him on Twitter at Fightalk underscore. Do not follow me on Twitter. Please follow Steven Jensen on Twitter. Give him some love as he continues to go through it with Cody Rhodes being just being a loser, being a giant rubber chicken loser we'll be back next week talking all the world uh talking everything in the world of uh professional wrestling we'll have a new interview with a new person and uh, look forward to hearing from you thank you again for all the super chats today all the comments in the chat all the people who tuned in whether live or on replay we appreciate that we'll be back next week i'm jeremy lambert this has been the spotlight bye everybody Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.